Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of The Sneak Preview, a Filmgasm Productions podcast that follows the current film calendar. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Caleb Bouger. And today's episode will cover the long-awaited release of Marvel's Phase 4 opener, Black Widow, as well as the second installment of Netflix's ongoing Fear Street trilogy. So massive spoiler alert for both of these films if you haven't seen them yet, but honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, it is kind of on you. Before we get into it, though, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, trailers. Got three trailers to talk about today. Uh, we got the first trailer for The Adams Family 2, which hits theaters on October 1st. And I didn't see the first one because I don't really care for these Illumination animated films. They're kind of terrible. Uh, I know you, I think you saw it though, the first Adams Family. I did. I uh, watched it for October last year. Um, it's actually not bad. Like, as far as like finding a way to continue the Adams Family. So obviously, I guess that's like something they've had to figure out. How do we continue this franchise? It was, to me, like a small way to do it. Just animate it, right? And then you can make something that still is very much Adam's family that kids can also enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it, was a, it was a cute little movie. It was not bad. Um, I don't know. Illumination's animation style so like hit and miss to me that it, I wasn't fully on board with their animation style for that movie. But they, they nailed um, the spirit of the Adam's family. I thought the voice actors were really good. That I did like it. It is something that... If I ever get married and have kids, I would like buy it and have it as something that they could watch. Um, I've I, the trailer for the new one does look pretty good. I am curious why Pugsley got recasted. I caught that it's not the same voice actor from the first one. I, I don't know what happened there, um, but it doesn't look bad. I'm I'm glad to see it continue, and you know, hopefully it's just a tad bit better than the first movie. But also knowing Illumination's track record with sequels, usually the first one's like the best one they do and then all the sequels are kind of like all right after that i just don't like illuminations like storytelling it's all kind of similar there's not really a lot of heart behind it it's always very you know goofy jokes and predictable uh so i'm, I'm not really no. I, I don't really care about this but honestly like I said, I think the most I gave it was a seven. It wasn't like I was in love with it. Like, I'm not rushing to see it again. Um, but as far as, like, when it comes to the standard illumination entertainment, I, it's one of their better movies. I thought that they did. Um, I'll watch it again. Don't mind watching it as a family movie. Um, this doesn't look bad. But, I mean, yeah, no, I'm with you. Because thing with illumination, it's like, they had a big hit with Despicable Me, which I do think is actually a really good movie. That's yeah, pretty good. Um, and um, for some, what I what it feels like to me when I see the trailer for the movie is like they're just throwing ideals out there. They see what sticks. If it doesn't stick, they they drop it. Do the next movie. If that one sticks, they sequelize it. We're seeing that with like the fact that Sing Two trailers are popping up like crazy. Yeah, Sing stuck. So now they're just like, all right, Sing Two, let's keep it going. <laughs> it's like uh, there's the we talked about. Are alluded to i won't know we talked about it with um toy story like there's a reason like disney and like pixar those particular two companies in my opinion have lasted so long with animation it's because they care um i would say pixar more so than disney because disney does have some rough years 
they're weird. They'll have like a weird, like great couple of years of entertainment of uh, animated films and then they'll like dip for a while there, but then they'll come back. Like right now they're on a good uphill swing. Yeah. Um, but those are the only two companies that really seem to try with their animated films. And all the other ones don't seem to get it. Like even DreamWorks, uh, with DreamWorks other than like Shrek and the How to Train Your Dragon series, like I don't know what else they've really do animation wise well they did ice age but then they supervised the shit out of that well that's the thing like disney and pixar yeah they have their their franchises but they also have a whole bunch of standalone animated movies that don't need franchises that still hold up and i don't think any other animation franchise like animation company has that yeah I, it's really weird like and, and you know again you mentioned it, to me disney and pixar they looked at like what studio ghibli does big time yeah. And they said, how do we do that for American audiences? And they figured it out. And now we have, we live in this great world where we get really good quality family entertainment from those two companies. True. And a lot of times together, you know, when they do their Disney Pixar stuff. Um, but yeah, it seems like all these other animation companies, yeah, they don't, they just keep throwing out what sticks. And the moment something sticks, they sequelize it. Yeah, I love Shrek. Do I highly enjoy the sequels as much? Not really. I love Shrek 2, but I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if you want to see it, Adam's Family 2 comes out October 1st. Obviously, we'll talk about it on the show, but I will tell you that weekend, our big movie is going to be The Many Saints of Newark. So That would probably make more sense for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm considerably more excited. I'm more excited for Tim Burton's upcoming uh, Wednesday Adam's Netflix series. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually. I think if anyone, I don't understand how he has not done Adam Family sooner. If anyone would nail it to me, it would be Tim Burton. Yeah, I mean, obviously, at some point, if Burton does this, Johnny Depp's going to be Gomez. We all know that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not even a secret. Yeah, because if anyone believes in Depp still, it's Tim Burton. Thank God. Yeah, and yeah. I think you know Christina Ricci should be Morticia considering you know she oh, played yeah. her in the the 90s movies and she's got that whole goth thing going on i think that would work that would work if you find if I find a way to bring her back yeah i'd be down for that i hope this works out i want to see tim burton's adam's family because it like you said i mean who better yeah look if we're living in a ward where rob zombie is giving us the monsters <laughs> i want tim burns adam's family i don't mean that as an insult to rob zombie if anyone has been watching this show I've made it quite known my love for Rob Zombie and my excitement for the monsters. So, yeah. Adam's Family 2, October 1st. Next up, No Man of God, which tells the story of the relationship between FBI agent Bill Hagemeyer and convicted serial killer Ted Bundy. Stars Elijah Wood and Luke Kirby comes out August 27th. And this looks very intriguing. Uh, Luke Kirby looks identical to Ted Bundy. It's freaky. So this is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I uh, was I saw a meme, um, and it really it made me laugh because uh, it was like how you know the two act two actors that starred in the two biggest franchises then turned around and did um, small indie <laughs> movies. Afterwards, oh, is like the biggest power move, and it shows Dana Radcliffe and fucking Elijah Wood, and um. I bring that up because, like, I actually have been a massive fan of both of them doing that. Yeah. Especially Elijah Wood. I would argue that Daniel Radcliffe has had not always picked good films in that regard. 
But uh, <laughs> I have liked a lot of Elijah Wood's like small indie output since Lord of the Rings, and um, he I know he's actually a very big massive horror fan, and um, I think he I'm, I'm looking forward to what he does with this. I think he'll be great. Yeah, the guy they got to play Bundy looks like him and looks like he will give us a great <laughs> great performance. Yeah. <coughs> I didn't know anything about this till I saw a trailer and now I'm I'm super psyched. I I know it's creepy, but I love true crime films. I love, you know, real real life nightmares when it comes to movies. Like one of the early episodes I did on the Filmgasm podcast was extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile, where Zach Efron played Bundy. And I thought that movie was highly underrated. I like that movie. I thought he was great. Yeah. He was great as like a Bundy who's trying to fool people into thinking he's innocent. And Luke Kirby looks like a perfect, I did it, Ted Bundy. Yeah, like the, yeah, which is what they're covering. The Bundy that's like, I'm telling this guy everything I did. Yeah. Like it's, it's those years of Bundy. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm very intrigued on this one. I'm, I like what Elijah Wood's been doing since Lord of the Rings and I'll definitely check this one out as well. Absolutely. Um, and finally, we've got the trailer for Disney's new animated musical, Encanto. It features original songs from Lin-Manuel Miranda, takes place in Colombia, and comes out November 24th. And I remember the brief, like, 20-second teaser they had for this uh, a couple years ago. And it was just, you know, some, some flowers and some magic. And now we get a full-blown Colombian Lin-Manuel Miranda musical from Disney. This is going to be very very good yeah i you know when i mentioned earlier with you know hollywood getting caught out for diversity i think that's been obviously a very good thing very great thing um because we're getting a lot of interesting movies out of it and we're seeing that with disney in this movie like i don't think we would have had this movie a couple years ago from disney but now it it well maybe but you, you know i'm just saying it seems like they have been trying to do more diverse stuff with their films yeah, but I don't think it's because they were called out. Like Disney's always been doing this. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think it's because they're getting caught out. I'm not saying because they're getting caught out. Just because Hollywood in general is getting caught out. And I'm not saying like they may have not. They probably already had this movie planned and then timing with what happened in real life with Hollywood. But it, yeah, no, it it looks good. Like I'm I'm very curious on what this. Hopefully, it's like Coco and they really celebrate the uh, Colombian culture, like that movie celebrated um, Mexican culture. So I'm trying not to fuck up my Hispanic countries here and piss people off. Um, well, I've got, you know, a lot of Colombian family. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them to get to see their culture uh, in a Disney film like this. Yeah. And, um, this just looks, in, you know, enjoyable. Disney knows yeah. how to, they know how to make a damn animated movie, man. They know what they're doing. Yeah. No, 100 it, years it, it, they've been doing this. <laughs> hey, we, we said it with Adam's family, right? They know what they're doing. Um, the animation looks fuck. Just like I said, like I'm not the biggest fan of the Illumination style of animation. Exact spect- opposite of the spectrum. I the trailer, the movie looked gorgeous. That well, I think it was like a minute and like 20 seconds long trailer. Yeah, and it looked stunning. I mean, the colors and the movement. It, I was like, God damn, this is gonna be another just stunning fucking. Even if like let's say for some reason this film is bad, which I doubt. It's going to be a beautiful to look at film. So no, I'm I'm excited. It looks really good. I 
I'm very interested in seeing it as long as I don't have to pay 30 bucks on Disney Plus. <laughs> and the animation looks just as good as what I've been expecting from this company. Yep. Next year's Oscars Best Animated Film looks like it's going to be Disney versus Pixar and Kanto versus Luca. This is going to be very interesting. Hmm, interesting. It's happened a few times. Like, you know, uh, like Zootopia beat Finding Dory that one time. That makes sense. I like Zootopia more personally. Haven't seen it yet. Uh, seen the whole thing out of order because I had to work at a draft house back when I used to work there. It was huge, so I've seen bits and pieces of that film out of sequence. So, might want to catch up on your Disney animated stuff in Canto at least. I will. I did this. I did that for Luca. I I caught up on my Pixar. I'll do the same thing for Encanto. Get caught up on the past, let's say, twenty years of. Okay. I know there's some stuff I've told you about. They were like like uh, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. Was really good. Uh, Big Hero Six was really good. Yeah. So those two. Zootopia. Um, I want to watch Tangled. Uh, Frozen 2, I'd like to knock out. So there's a couple. I need to, I need to finally watch it. I, I merely, I've been kind of behind on the Frozen things. Like, I'm not hating on for, I hope, really hope I don't get come after like I do when I say like I like Trick fil A, but not to extent everyone fucking else does. Um, it's the same thing with Frozen. It's like I like the movie, just not to the extent that like everyone else did. <laughs> I didn't care for Frozen. I'll say it straight up. I thought it was overrated. I didn't think it was that good. It was very over, yeah. It was very overhyped for me. I still liked it, still enjoyable, but very overhyped. So I haven't really rushed to see the second one, but I need to. Um, y'all, if you are still holding on to people like and giving people shit for not liking Frozen, I think y'all need to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Make like Queen Elsa and stop giving a fuck. <laughs> oh, if only. Encanto looks cute. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there if Disney charges me thirty dollars on Disney Plus. If not, I'll watch on Disney Plus. I'm cool. I with will that. see it at the movies because I know they're gonna fucking do that. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, they are. You know what? I'm very like their last one, Raya and the Last Dragon. I loved that movie. That was so I, good. I'm glad I got to see that at the movies. That was very good. That's the one I need to see. I've not seen that one yet. They took the uh, thirty block thirty dollar block off, so it uh, it is on Disney Plus. You can watch that. Saw that. I need to, I need to have like when I'm like when I have like a break weekend on this podcast, <laughs> I need to just like gather the list of like the new release Disney Pixar films, which is at this point I think just Raya and Soul and well, okay now Luca and just watch them. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, you know what I find funny. Uh, Ryan and the Last Dragon, when it was behind the paywall, didn't get a lot of hits. As soon as they took the paywall off, it was the most watched thing on Disney Plus. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand the paywall for them. They don't look at like HBO Max has been killing it this year with that. Like they have talked about how they've had some big hit numbers with doing what they're doing, and their movies are still making money. So I don't understand why Disney's concerned because yeah. Godzilla versus Kong still made over four hundred million at the box office. I would have, I would have bet on Disney thinking twice about the paywall after the Raya thing, but then Black Widow made sixty million dollars through Disney Plus alone. So, the paywall is going to stay. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. It's not because like I want to watch it initially. It's like more like so. Then when after I see it in the theater, because I like going to the theater, 
I can watch it whenever I please. That's why I did it Mortal Kombat. When I for our, that episode, I think I watched it like Friday, like really early, because I was off. And I was like, shit, I need to refresh on this movie for the podcast. So I watched it on HBO Max like Saturday night or like Sunday. For me, it really just comes down to I don't want to give Disney any more money. They're already getting eight bucks a month from me. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And that's just Disney Plus. You know, like Disney, I know you're making money off fucking MCU. I would say Star Wars, but no, you're not. <laughs> not as much as MCU money, at least. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry, Disney, don't fuck up Star Wars again. <laughs> I feel like Disney will buy our podcast just so they can cancel it. Just so they can do that? Just I feel like they are that petty. They're going to find out about this. They're going to buy Filmgasm, and then like we're not going to see a penny of it, and then we're going to have to stop talking. <laughs> and then Gina Carano comes up and goes, so I heard what happened with you and Disney. Yeah. And I'm like, no, <laughs> back, anti-Semite, back. <laughs> <laughs> Away, yeah. <laughs> I treat those fuckers like vampires. Get away from me. <laughs> um, so those are the trailers. Uh, interesting bunch: two kids movies and a Bundy movie. Yeah, Hollywood's weird. The upcoming fourth Jackass film now has a title: Jackass Forever. How true that is! And the release date is October twenty second. So. Coming out with Dune and the French Dispatch. Going to be a very interesting sneak preview that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, just to kind of like quickly explain, I know I've been like bringing up Jackass a lot. Probably a lot of people sounds like a weird obsession. All right. Let me like, how do I raise this? So like, you know how like you watch certain movies now as an adult and they kind of take you back to when you were a kid. Like if I watched the first two to regards Spider-Man's, it's a very nostalgic film for me. I go back to when I saw them as a kid. With Jackass, I was big into that when I was a kid. I really, I really enjoyed it as a kid, and I thought I thought it was funny, and so it was a part of my life. Like I grew up watching the show. I well, seeing reruns of the show to be exact. I watched the movies. I thought they were hilarious. And in all fairness, too, with the like the legacy of Jackass, it is like there. As much as we make fun of it, there's a legacy. Like. Without that show, those movies, we would not have a lot of the shit that's coming out now. Like the newest, right? The newest big hit one in Practical Jokers is huge. Like they owe a lot to like that crew. Obviously, they don't go as far out, which honestly is what I kind of like about Practical Jokers. But you know, like they, you can tell the blueprints there. They even did an Impractical Jokers movie. So yeah. the blueprints there. So the fact that, you know, for a while after that third film, it really felt like, oh shit, this is done. Like it was almost like a part of my childhood was like done, like no more jackass. The fact that these guys are like, you know what, let's get back together for the last one because we're getting too fucking old. Even Knoxville has finally stated, finally on interviews, been like, hey, after this, I'm done. I cannot do it anymore. So, you know, he's this is it from the fact that they're like, let's get together and do one more movie and show people that even though we are going to hang up the mantle after this, because we're our bodies can't take it. We still, we can still do it. You know, like it's almost like a, that proving you can still do it type of thing. And so really from the bottom of my heart, I hope this is good. I hope they show that they, there's still people that want to see them doing that. You know, they got in them to do it and, you know, we make fun of it, but the fact of the is they're somewhat geniuses in that they found a way to make all this fucking money doing this for a living. Like 
it's insane that that happened. So, and like I said, they are calling it the Jackass Forever. If you look at the cast list, you got three brand new cast members on it, not guests. Brand new cast. So it does almost feel like they may be hanging it up, but they're going to start seeing who can take on that mantle and continue the brand, so to speak. The mantle. Yeah. So just to like explain why I'm like so obsessed and coming where I'm coming from. This all yours, man. I just didn't grow up with Jackass. I remember seeing clips of it and thinking these fucking idiots. <laughs> so never, never my thing, really. But I do love Impractical Jokers, and I never really thought about the, you know, like what that was built upon. So that actually does make sense. So. Cause, yeah, because when that show came out on MTV, it really was like one of the first shows to do that. I think is what I read. Like you didn't just film a show where guys got paid all this money to do stupid shit to each other. But this took off and they, you know, the movies were making bank at the box office. I mean, they were making huge amounts of money at the box office. So it was like, yeah, it really laid the groundwork for a lot of what we have now in that kind of like prank uh, stupidity department of television and movies. So um, you see it recently with that Andre uh, fucking show uh, movie you did the road trip. There you go. Oh, bad trip. Yeah. Yeah. Bad trip. There you go. Sorry. Bad trip. I mean, that was very clearly inspired by that you know those guys so yeah i mean that shit was funny yeah and that's what i'm saying like you i get if people think this shit's stupid i find it funny and you know guess what you can think they're dumb but they're making a living doing this like if he, they're getting paid to fucking hurt themselves so fuck it you know yeah. if i could make millions breaking ass i would too yeah like <laughs> In in all fairness, I always sort of like in all fairness, Johnny Knoxville does actually have some talent. Like he, he does act, and I actually do like some of the movies he's been in. I think he's actually a really funny guy. He's all right. I I always connect him to Men in Black too, which I do not care for. So, mm. oh, I'm talking about like his little role in like Walking Tall with The Rock. Oh, it's been. I thought a long he was. Time. I thought he was funny in that. It's been a very long time since I saw Walking Tall, but I do remember I enjoyed it. Yeah. Plus, I hear from a lot of people he's actually a super nice dude. Like, people will love him. Well, I kind of wish he was an asshole, because I feel like he can take a punch. <laughs> oh, he can. <laughs> uh, um, moving on, Oscar-winning filmmaker Bill Condon will be helming a remake of the 1955 gangster musical Guys and Dolls. Condon won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for 1998's Gods and Monsters, a film I've always wanted to watch and was also nominated in the same category for 2002's Chicago. Some of his past directing credits include Dreamgirls, Kinsey, Mr. Holmes, Beauty and the Beast, and the final two Twilight films. So he's had a very interesting career, and uh, he's going to remake Guys and Dolls, a musical starring Frank Sinatra and Marlon fucking Brando. So good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Uh, I don't have a lot of say on this one because I'm not familiar with the movie he's remaking. Or have I, seen I know. It, so. I know. Uh, you know, good luck. Hopefully, he brings something new to the table for those who have seen the original. I haven't seen it, but I do. I know about it, and I've heard, I've heard some clips of Brando singing, and it's weird. Luckily, not lady tonight. Like it's so off color. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> Can you imagine living in a world where Brando was just never told no to any fucking thing he decided to do? We, we do live in that world. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was like being alive for that period of it. 
Yeah, there's a time when Marlon Brando was the most powerful man in Hollywood and he did whatever the fuck he wanted. And if you huh. said no, you were never seen again in Hollywood. <laughs> he, he could come to fucking Apocalypse Now, fat as shit, and not tell the director and they could not turn away and be like, well, we just got to work around it. Fat as shit and not having read the script. Yeah. Just like, he, I'm here to work, Frank. <laughs> can they fire him? Can we fire him? No, we just have to make it work. <laughs> I own a Dr. Moreau. Even fatter. I want to wear an ice bucket. <laughs> I want to have a dwarf partner the entire movie. And they're like, okay. Because his last movie, the score, I'm not wearing pants the whole time. <laughs> they're like, fine. He's going to die soon. Fine. <laughs> like just, I want that kind of power where I can just be like, today I'm going to be in an Edward Norton movie and I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> try uh-huh. to see what happens. <laughs> well, Hoove is like, we watch like behind the scenes videos on those on those movies, and everyone always talks about like how much they're looking forward to working with Marlon Brando. I know. And then you get to the part where they cast him, they're like, "Oh, that that's Marlon Brando." It's like, it's like the dream got shattered the moment he approached set, and they just went, "Ah, shit." They always say, "Don't meet your heroes." That's why, because your hero <laughs> might be a bloated asshole who like kicks you in the balls just to make himself laugh. <laughs> And once the carriage Marlon Brando, he is one of the greatest actors of all time, but there's a window for that Brando. <laughs> also, to an extent, one could argue some of those later films, like Dr. Monroe, it's kind of questionable on his fucking abilities at that point. 50s to 70s Brando, one of the greatest who ever lived. Post that, complete psychological nut job. <laughs> Like 80s to 2000s Brando is like a half-baked clone of Marlon Brando who just kept making the same crazy demands but didn't bring the talent to back it up. (laughs) (laughs) Or the appropriate body weight, apparently. Yeah, just, it's like he started, you know, a campaign to be (coughs) the fattest actor who ever lived and then to also ruin everyone's day that he worked with. Also, he forgot that, look, in Hollywood, you can be fat and work. You can. Yeah. But you better be funny, apparently, and good to work. I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, but they just pay attention to the, the actors. Apparently, you better be funny and not an asshole to work with. Unless you're Marlon Brando, and then you get whatever you want because yeah. you're Marlon he's, Brando. He's literally the like an anomaly, like the only one that got away with it. <laughs> Yeah, Any other know. actor that did what he did, you would have stopped hearing from that actor. Yeah, we. Yeah, I. I wonder if you know in '94, when I think that's when the Doctor Moreau came out '94. Um, so Val Kilmer learned some tricks of the trade when it came to being an asshole in Hollywood. Because <laughs> soon yeah. after that, there was Batman, and then there was no more Val Kilmer. <laughs> oh, so yeah, but see, he yeah he didn't last. He got done. We're not looking at you anymore, Val. <laughs> Speaking of, did you see the trailer for that documentary, Val? No, I have not watched it yet. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch a documentary on Val Kilmer. Well, he made it. He's been filming himself his entire life. God damn it. However, I also didn't know that he had throat cancer and he can't talk anymore. Yeah, he showed a clip of him like currently. He has one of those voice boxes that uh, like, you know, throat cancer survivors have. And... Yeah, he can't nor he can't talk on his own accord anymore. I didn't know that. Holy shit. 
But that doesn't change the fact that he was a dick for pretty much his entire say, career. <laughs> I'm not going to feel that much sympathy because had you not been a dick buddy, you at least could have had a pretty good career to, you know, leave behind. Instead, you have a short period of time that we liked you. And then going down in history as you turn into an asshole, did a bunch of bad movies, and we stopped caring about you. Now no one's your Huckleberry, Val. <laughs> I'm, I'm you sorry mean? you got thir- I'm sorry you got throat cancer and you know you're lying on a box. That's terrible, but again, I'm sorry, don't be an asshole. Yeah, the two don't go hand in hand. Like I'm sorry you have cancer, but also you were a dick. That's a fact. Yeah. So I'm sure someone's gonna be like, how can you say? I'm like, well, if he was a nicer man, I'd feel I'd actually feel bad. I'm very much in belief that like depending on how you are depends on how I'm gonna feel. Fuck. Well, that was fun. Uh, I do kind of want to see Val. It does look interesting to see his perspective. Maybe there'll be a reason, you know, maybe he was peacocking or something. Maybe he thought, you know, if I'm not an asshole, people are gonna walk on me or something. Or maybe he was just like, I was Iceman and Top Gun, motherfucker, come at me. I don't know. I was Batman, asshole. I don't know. It was George Clooney, but he's apparently not an asshole to deal with. Clooney, I love Clooney's like whole relationship with Batman. He's got a Batman and Robin poster in his office to constantly remind him that, you know, talent can only go so far that, you know, you shouldn't take paycheck gigs. Your career can explode at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, good for him. And also, Clooney, if you could do like more things like From Dust Till Dawn, I would be so happy. I stand by that. I want to see him pop up in a Batman multiverse movie. I want to see him do it again, like redeem himself. That would actually be kind of cool. <laughs> I, I say From Dust Till Dawn because I stand by that still to this day, my favorite performance from him because it's so outside of his. I'm a big fan when actors go outside of the real house. Oh, yeah. And face it. Yeah. And he, that's what he did. And I'm like, but he hasn't done it since. And I'm like, come on, go back, do something like that. Cause you aced that role. So I'm not saying do that role, but go outside your house, Clooney, do it. You aced it. You fucking nailed it. I, I love from dust till dawn, but to me, it'll always be Ulysses Everett McGill in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Ooh, that's a good one too, actually. Another Clooney role that's so outside of his usual you know, fair, but he does it so well. Yeah, that's I, I'm a big fan of that. I actually was watching a video on the, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Butterfly Effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was watching a video on that, and I I will always tell people, I know, I always get, like, a look, but I'm like, trust me, like, I will defend Ashton Kircher in that movie, because I'm like, he went outside of his wheelhouse, and to me, he did a really good job, but people shit on it, because he wasn't at the time, right off that '70s show, the romantic lead and something, I'm like, <sighs> so, yeah. I like the butterfly effect. I think that's an underrated film. Really, I was actually debating about picking that for an episode. I was like, but I don't know if I want to get Connor tear down a movie that I actually really love. I own the butterfly effect. I like it. So, so do I. Bring it on. <laughs> oh man, I just got really excited. <laughs> cool. Good. Glad to know that's coming. Um, that's right people stop showing butterfly effect because we fucking like it <laughs> um this is interesting i like i know you don't like movies that g- get political so buckle up um oscar nominated filmmaker greta gerwig is going to be helming a barbie movie starring margot robbie uh gerwig has been nominated twice for screenplay for lady bird and little women and once for directing for lady bird 
Margot Robbie has been nominated twice for her performances in I, Tanya and Bombshell. And I, I know this is not going to be a kid's movie and that's who would care about Barbie. (laughs) So I don't know what this is. Okay. So I don't, right now I I understand what you're saying with the political things or past movies. I don't see it, but Barbie, because I'd be weird trying to get some political agenda in a fucking Barbie movie. Um, but at the same time, what it's getting me is that I'm with you. Who is this for? Because kids are obviously going to want to see a Barbie movie because Barbie's been a kid. I mean, that's been a kid's toy since we've been kids. This been a kid's toy since the 50s, man. Yeah, like that's that's been a very long-running kid's toy. But at the same time, you cast Margot Robbie, you know I'm not... I, how do I read this up? People thinking I'm pig. You're going to have a lot of pervy, or, pervy older men wanting to see a kid's smog fucking Robbie, right? <clears throat> She's hot. There, I did it yeah. for you. <laughs> I was like, I I think we can all... Not a secret. I, yeah, I was like, I think I'm safe in saying I'm with every other guy that really enjoyed her scenes in Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> and liked her in uh, the Suicide Squad movie. And, well, her turn as Holly Quinn in general. Um, so you have someone that men find very attractive, older men, you're probably going to bar me. I'm not saying that it's it's a weird balance. You're, you're going to have like some pervy older dudes in this fucking. Yeah, I know you're pointing at yourself. <laughs> Watching this movie meant for children. I'm not, well, I'm going to see Barbie, obviously, because of this fucking show, but also. I mean, I feel like they're going to, you know, and, and rightfully so, you know, reclaim Barbie as a feminist icon. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah obviously, that, that should be the point to it, because it is, it's, it's meant for gores, it is. Yeah, I just, I don't know what the angle is going to be, and it was Amy Schumer, but she dropped out. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what the, I don't know. This is going to be what know. it ends up being. It's Greta Gerwig doing Barbie. So it's yeah. I don't. I know like Margot Robbie. Like look. Okay. I know we just kind of pretty much have said. Yeah, hot woman. She's a fantastic actress too, and, and I'm sure she'll do great in the role. She's a great actress. I I really do actually like her as Holly Quinn, in um, the DC, whatever the fuck they want to call it. Um, she's probably one of the few to me bright spots in that entire fucking thing with DC. Um, so I'm sure she'll be great and she'll probably ace playing uh, a toy essentially. I don't, <laughs> there's not a lot of a lot of that to draw from really with Barbie, but I'm sure she'll do fine. Is there but, a story uh, behind Barbie? I know like G.I. Joe no. had the whole Cobra thing. Is there like Barbie? No, there's, not. A, there's no story. They literally, the biggest story was that they made the Ken dolls to be her boyfriend. I wonder who's gonna play Ken or if Ken's even gonna be in this. And didn't technically Barbie and Ken pop up in Toy Story 3? Yes. Yeah, that's probably the best usage we would ever get out of them. I don't know how a movie is going to give me, unless it, like, what, is it going to be like a legally blonde type movie? Like, what, what's it going to be? I don't. I don't know. But you know what? We never, we didn't grow up with Barbie. We don't know Barbie. So yeah. Reese Witherspoon is Barbie. Now that I said legally blonde, that actually probably would have been a good choice. Well, they kind of already did that. It was legally blonde. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying, Reese Witherspoon probably would have been a good choice too. I don't but know. Three, so this seems like one of those movies that is either going to not happen because they can't agree on a script, or does happen and ends up being absolutely terrible. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm, coming off three Oscar nominations and, you know, for Greta Gerwig and two for Margot Robbie, this is an odd next project for both of them. It's, yeah, it's just a weird, because uh, I really, I guess, if, you know, when you mentioned polit- political thing, I hope it's not just being used to push an agenda. Like, I hope they're just doing it because they want to make a movie based off of Barbie and it's not like the most outlandish toy we've gotten a movie out of. I hope it is a hardcore, super rated R courtroom drama. <laughs> like, straight up. Like, the only thing related to the toy is her name is Barbie. But it's like a nickname for, like, Barbara Jenkins or something. <laughs> I would love if Greta Gerwig did that. <laughs> and Ken is her, like, you know, her assistant who she's constantly berating to do better. <laughs> You thought Barbie was meant for children, not this year. <laughs> Wait, now that just sounds like the porno that they probably have already made. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know, it's we'll get it once we get more information and a trailer and more of a cast, and this will start to manifest as something. We'll see. But I am just thinking the worst here. Yeah. It, it's not something that was screaming movie, but... But, you know, neither was, like, I think every movie ever made out of a toy has sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. G.I. Joe, Transformers, Battleship, all of it. Let's <clears throat> yeah. be honest. Yeah, because, you know, these toys don't have storylines to base anything off of. Well, actually, well, okay, G.I. Joe and Transformers did. You just, I can't believe I'm saying this, you put it in the hand of some not great directors. I feel like, well, G.I. Joe and Transformers became cartoons, which then established a story, and then yeah. they became movies. Barbie's going from toy to movie. Yeah. I was going to say, in the case of Transformers, you gave it to Michael Bay, who we learned was the worst option to give that series to, when Bumblebee trying to be the best goddamn movie, and it wasn't him directing for once. And uh, in the case of G.I. Joe, Summers, to me, I don't know what happened after The Mummy. He just kept doing that style to less fun effect and it really culminated in gi joe oh so that's exactly what hollywood thought because then he vanished yeah it was cool seeing a brandon fraser pop up though in the first one <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah uh so yeah barbie we will see um oscar winner faye dunaway will be appearing in franco nero's upcoming film the man who drew god which some of you may know as Kevin Spacey's <coughs> impending comeback film. Uh, Dunaway won her Oscar for her performance in 1976's Network. It was also nominated for her performances in Bonnie and Clyde and Chinatown. So she is no, you know, like she's a legend. And I mean, not lately, but this movie. She's old school Hollywood. Yes. Uh, legend. She is. This movie is shaping up to be incredibly risky for everybody involved. But Franco Nero has come out and said that all of this is doing is shining a light on his film, which he isn't, which isn't wrong. Yeah, but is it shining a light for a good reason? You know what I mean? No, absolutely not. It's not. Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, it's shining a light, but there is such thing as bad press. You know, like this could cause you not to like people not want to see the movie. Kind of like to me, like all the bad press that was surrounding Space Jam 2. And there's like zero interest in people wanting to see that movie, you know? Um, so it's well, like. It's but I feel like 
this movie has, you know, I mean, Space Jam 2 just looks shitty. This movie is casting a almost definite pedophile. Well, and Hollywood's getting weird because you have like this happening with Kevin Spacey right now, right? Like he's still doing movies. He's not going to jail apparently. Well, and then the recently, dying. I don't want to stop pointing that out. Yeah. And then I think, what was it? This past, this past week, uh, Bill Cosby got released. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what's going, going on right now in Hollywood in that it seemed like we were making this big push finally to make people you know, pay for what they've done. And now a lot of things are getting reversed. Because now I'm like, what's next? Are we really going to let fucking Weinstein out? Like, that would, don't do that. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really weird what's going on with this movie and like also their shit with Hollywood and these convicted or known fucking, you know, offenders. Well, with Cosby's release, now it's looking like this whole thing was like a fucking penalty box. Like, you did your time, now get back in the game. And that is horseshit. If there's not actual repercussions and it's looking like there fucking won't be, what was like, what was even the point? Are we going to just go back to what we were doing and just let people get away with this shit? I, I guess Manson's going to be fine now. I know he turned himself in, but probably just get released now. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, you know, if I don't want to incite violence, but I'd, if one of these guys gets attacked, I won't be surprised. Yeah. I think what would really surprise me, what really made me go, what the fuck's going on, is if this movie does well and, like, people just forget. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying we don't forget. Like, obviously, we, we know that, you know, Walt Disney was anti-Semitic, but we still love his company yeah. because it's been more fucking years removed from all that now, and they fixed themselves. But that's the key, right? Well, years removed from that. And they've done better in the years since. Yeah, this is but, like fresh. This is fucking fresh. But does that mean that in like 20, 30 years, Spacey gets a pass? That's true, too. I, I personally don't think he should get a pass. No, not at all. I think he, I, I, I'm very much a belief that like you can still enjoy their work and their past work before yeah. all this shit went down. So, like, I uh, know I'll, I'll bring this one up, for example, because this is a real hot topic issue and a new movie is finally coming out. Uh, Victor Salva, known monster that was using his films to get to people. Um, you know, he was attached to Cheaper's Creepers. As a horror fan, I like the first two movies. I'm a fan of the first two. I, I don't like Salva. I do not agree with what he did he's an absolute monster and should absolutely pay for what he's done to people absolutely 100 i will still watch cheapest creepers one two because i i for me i just enjoy the movie um am i glad that the upcoming one they're doing the cheapest creepers reborn is not him not attached at all yeah absolutely i'm glad they got it away from him so they could continue the franchise without him but that's like just as an example, like, yeah, I absolutely believe that, like, you got to separate. Like, I can enjoy what they have done artistically, yeah, but think they're absolute monsters. Like, the, and like the Manson thing, I, well, I still listen to Manson's music. Yes. Do I think he's a monster for what he is? What at first was accusations, but slowly shaping up to be like real based off the arrest form and then him turning himself in? Yeah, he is a fucking monster. 
Well, you know, Austin and I talked a lot about this when we did an Oscar Sunday episode on American Beauty, mm-hmm. you know, kind of saying like, are these films still okay to watch? Can you still say, you know, if Usual Suspects is your favorite movie of all time, does that make you like, you know, willing to accept some things? And I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Chinatown, but, you know, Roman Polanski is an absolute piece of shit. I would never want to, you know, like meet him or anything. I would never... I don't accept him as a human being anymore, but the films don't just belong to these people. They belong to a whole bunch of people who work to make these happen. Well, I, I think that that counts. Yeah. And I, I forget who said it, but someone in, I forget who said that once the film, once the work of art, not just like a movie, right. But the song, the video games, right. Books, once it gets released to the public, it is no longer your theirs. It is the public's now. It is the audience. Yeah. It's no longer yours because now it's out. And I feel like that's a good way to look at it is that you're not, okay, yeah, you are con- helping them out. They're going to get the money off, off this, but it's not theirs anymore. You're, it's yours. So just forget about the, mo- like, you can still hate this person. That's fine. They are an absolute monster, but you can still enjoy the work. And it was, to me, if someone told me, like, Usual Suspects, American Beauty, uh, Baby Driver, whatever other movie with Kevin Spacey you can think of, right? Seven is one of their favorite films of all time. I won't think any different. I'm not going to be like, oh, you monster. Like, Spacey did great in those movies. Performance-wise, acting-wise, did fantastic in those movies. Having said all that, I am going to see this new one. I, I probably will, too. Yeah. Um, it it will be hard to watch because I think you said he's playing like what someone that's helping them look for a pedophile or something like that. He's playing a cop who's investigating a case of pedophilia. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that will be a little hard to watch because mm-hmm. um, I, I won't lie. I actually I watched Baby Driver after all the accusations came out. Yeah. So when I was watching that movie and he kept saying things like "That's my baby," I was like, "Ugh, ugh." ugh. Yeah. Still enjoyed the movie, but it definitely like when you're when it was like fresh like that, it was like, oh, ew, ew. Yeah. I was blinded by the balls on that kid. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah, has not aged well. I'm with you on that. I mean, American Beauty is him lusting after like a young teenage girl. So he's he's been playing roles like this for a while. I don't think that's an accident. No. And you know what? I'll he still kills me in fucking horrible bosses. He's fucking hilarious in horrible bosses. I'm so sorry that you still call your grandmother Gam Gam. <laughs> That's 20-year-old Scotch. You don't really expect me to pour that back in the bottle, do you? <laughs> oh, do you want some, sir? No, it's... it's Nine not in the morning. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. Okay, we'll just chalk that up to your drinking problem. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's an underrated comedy. I like that movie a lot. <laughs> Fuck. Ah, well. So yeah, Kevin Spacey's a prick and a monster, and uh, he's back. So you know, we'll have to just kind of handle that. Apparently, uh, we're looking at a world where these guys are just coming back. So yeah, Spacey's back. Cosby's back. Louis C.K. has been doing stand up, not on like you know the streams or anything, but he's been doing stand up. This is fucking nuts. Like, I, who's next? Army Hammer? Like, what? what's going to happen here? I, we're going to revert. Nothing, there's going to be no change because this is fucking Hollywood. 
Can we not have Army Hammer back? He always felt like a poor man's uh, Henry Cavill to me. Well, and he might be a fucking cannibal. <laughs> so that's a that's a hard one to ignore. You know, I mean, the rape True. is bad, but the cannibalism is weird. Yeah. Oh, Hollywood, you fickle bitch. <laughs> Constantly. Oh, it's like a toxic relationship we can't fucking leave. Just they give us all these great gifts, but also they're just the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they went, all right, guys, we know they want diversity and everyone to pay for their actions. We will do that. And then once it cools down, once everything kind of calms down, we just go back. I saw a meme that had, uh, it was the, the Free Britney movement and it was the Pawn Stars guys. And they're like, best I can do is Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah that's kind of what happened everyone's like let britney spears have her life back and they're like we heard you so bill cosby's out <laughs> like the fuck <laughs> what happened jesus what uh, fucked up game of telephone is this it is just amazing how they are just still not caring about britney spears in that business like the fans are rallying i'm i'm with them like sounds like she's had a fucked up career like let her have her life back and Hollywood went, we got you, Bill Cosby. I'm like, that, that's not what I asked. She's a grown, <laughs> she's a grown ass woman who has but two kids. a lot. She's worked hard to get her mental health back on track. Let her have her own life. This is not crazy. <laughs> she's a grown ass woman that has had a, you know, obviously besides the mental break, which if you look at what she's kind of gone through, the mental break actually makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's got, yeah, like I said, she's on life back on track. She's had a successful career. And she had she's been like raising two, three kids on her own. So, like, yeah, give her a fucking life back. Like, Jesus Christ. Ah, well, with that, with that, hashtag free Britney. Put Cosby back in the hole. Um, guess who's back? Guess Zach who's back. motherfucking Snyder. <laughs> He's announced his next project. It's a film called Rebel Moon, and he's doing it with Netflix. The film is being pieced together from a Star Wars project that he once wrote that never actually materialized. The release date is looking like 2023 or 2024. And that is all I got to say about that. I can't go three weeks without this fucker coming up. I just can't. I can't. It is, it, ugh. God. Well, because see, he found what happened was that Warner Bros. I guess got tired of him. No, let him go. And now Netflix was like, well, we love you. Even though I didn't really like Army of the Dead, but you know what? <coughs> for those who are fans, I have a buddy that is a big fan. Good for you. You guys are getting your Snyder, and I'm, I'm happy for y'all. Um, again, I, I like 300. I like Dawn of the Dead remake, and I like Watchmen. After that, though, I have not really enjoyed what he's given me. Well, you know, we've already seen how he can't really do a superhero movie and he can't really do a zombie movie. So I'm looking forward to seeing him not really be able to do a Star Wars knockoff. This is true because mainly Don Dead was also written by James Gunn. So that explains a lot on that one. Yeah. This is just ugh, Rebel Moon. All right. Bring it on. Again, thankfully, I you know, this one's not for two years, maybe three. And at least with Snyder on Netflix, we're not going to get any like extended cuts. He's got like... 
a spinoff series, a behind the scenes featurette, all that shit coming out of Army of the Dead. So I don't think it, yeah, there's no rules anymore. <laughs> Where's the fucking Uh-oh. video game? Like, give me the novelization. Why not? Just go nuts. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, we are adding, uh, we're ending on two sad notes, regrettably. Uh, Robert Downey Sr., father of superstar Robert Downey Jr., has passed away at 85 years old due to complications of Parkinson's disease. Uh, Downey was an accomplished actor and director in his own right, having appeared in such films as Boogie Nights, Magnolia, The Family Man, and Tower Heist. He directed a number of underground absurdist films, such as Ball's Bluff, Babo 73, Chafed Elbows, and No More Excuses, among others. And uh, yeah, he was a big underground power player, and uh, he is gone. This is my first time hearing about this. Yeah, Robert Downey Sr. passed. Man, okay. I'm oh, I'm kind of sad. I'm not as familiar with his work, but that yeah, that's sad news to hear. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I hope you know I my all my thoughts go to RDJ and his family right now. Yeah, they're doing all right. right. sent out to some to his family. Um, if based off what you said, it does sound like a good chunk of his of Audie J's career was definitely inspired by his father. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, that is sad to hear. And then finally, and this hit me pretty hard, iconic director Richard Donner has passed away at 91 years old from undisclosed reasons. Donner, in my opinion, may just be the most underappreciated director of all time. His films include The Goonies. Lady Hawk, The Omen, Superman, Scrooged, Maverick, Assassins, Timeline, and the entire Lethal Weapon franchise. His cut of Superman 2 is also vastly superior to the theatrical cut, which he was fired from. And I'm, I'm going to really miss this guy. Richard Donner is one of my favorite directors, and I'm, I'm really bummed out about this. Uh, yeah, I was actually on duty, and I got the text uh, in the group text on that one. Yeah, um, I'm with you. He, this, is, this is, to me, a very big blow or it should be a big blow but i feel like it won't be unfortunately in hollywood because he is very underappreciated because like look at just the movies you named right there he was a versatile director he could make something like the omen and then do goonies and then turn around do like a superman like he was versatile he could do any type of movie and he made classics in a lot of different genres i mean the omen's a classic the goonies is a classic superman one and his cut of two are classics fucking the lethal weapon franchise was one of the most consistent franchises i watched like yeah the dude was a a fantastic director um i really hope i know when i was doing my marathon lethal weapon i had seen that they were talking about doing a fifth movie i hope that with this news that they just stop talking about it because i don't think you could do a five without him yeah he was talking about how five was going to be his last movie he was going to go out with lethal weapon five and you know, time got him before he could do that. And that's a damn shame. Oh, I, I, you know, I think the entire modern superhero genre is owed to this guy. Superman was the first highly successful superhero movie ever made. Without Superman, you don't have the MCU. You don't have the Nolan trilogy. You don't have any of this without. Well, you, don't, yeah. you don't even have like the pre MCU stuff from Marvel, you know, like yeah. X-Men, Blade and um, Spider-Man, like their trinity of like actual good films before <laughs> MCU came along. Um, 
but yeah he yeah he set the template and you know like i i know like a lot of people if i try to show that movies to them or i see it online like oh they're really dated and campy i'm like you got you gotta stop doing that like i get it nowadays yeah sure but you have to you have to when you watch these movies to me remember the time they came out at that time more so than we were growing up pre-2008 there was damn near not a single superhero film coming out. And if it was, it was a really low budget piece of shit. So the fact that he was able to get a big studio film one made and with that kind of quality and have and spawn a franchise, I mean, it made four fucking films and a spinoff. It had, I know the spinoff isn't highly regarded, but it did have a spinoff with Supergirl. So, you know, he, yeah, his legacy cannot be matched and I, it is sad that he is so underappreciated because he really created something, a legacy with Superman. He really helped set, to me, how the buddy cop formula should be with the Lethal Weapon franchise. Like, he perfected that that formula that I haven't really seen perfected to that degree since. He made maybe the greatest kids' adventure movie of all time with the Goonies, which yeah. set a standard for that kind of film. The Omen he is one of the creepiest horror films ever made. It's a horror classic. Yeah. His name is attached to a horror classic. Damn it. Not a single Oscar nomination never comes up when people talk about great directors. He never, despite a, you know, a 50-year career, never got his due. I'll never understand that. Uh, yeah, I never, I'll never understand someone that has, is that versatile has created so many different legacies and some in like in everything and almost and somehow it's just stayed underappreciated for all these years i do not understand that and yeah it just makes me sad because it's like if is it i really hope it's not to the point that like i mean it's already to the point that i'm not seeing a lot of people talk about it like i do other like big time actors you know what i mean or directors and stuff it wasn't headline news in imdb it was like yeah. third or fourth headline i was so pissed yeah, it's, it wasn't headline news. And does this mean when the Oscars do their... And I already hate when they fucking do this. Their stupid fucking in memoriam that always messes people. Don't... Uh, I'll hold it. I'll, are they going to exclude him as well because he wasn't important enough in their eyes? I hope not. He wrote... like He was responsible for one of my favorite superhero moments of all time in Superman 2. And it's when General Zod and his cronies, Ursa and Nan... Uh, take over the U.S. government. And Zod makes the president kneel before Zod. And the president is like stunned. He goes, oh, God. And Zod corrects him and says, no, it's Zod. <laughs> and I'm like, I get chills every time because the de- that moment is so great. And oh. I remember when I was actually first watching the, the Superman films finally, and I was like, let me get around and watch these. Really enjoyed the first one. I was watching the second one, and I actually did watch the Ash Cut first. I was like, let me watch the Ash Cut first just to see the fucking differences. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is shitty. Who the fuck said this was a good film to release? And then I saw, that was when Netflix, I think, had both. Someone, I had, like, that was back when, God, simpler times. I only had, like, Netflix and Hulu back then. <laughs> one had the theatrical, one had the Donner Cut. So I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. And... I put it on the Donner cut and I was like, holy shit, this is a, such a better movie. It's darker. It organically follows from where you left off with the first movie. Things are actually explored. Zod's a fucking great villain. Like, way better movie. Yeah. Way fucking better. 
substantially. And it's he got fired because of budget reasons. He was like going over budget. They already like were having issues with him. He wanted creative control and he fucking deserved it. And they just, they fired him halfway through filming the movie and hired some hack who made that movie. And the Donner cut got released in like 04. And it was way better. Such a great movie. Ugh. Yeah. It, yeah. If, oh my God. If you ask me, I wish, I wish they had been nice to them. So then just like with Lethal Weapon, he would in all four Superman films, we probably would have had four great movies instead of like two great films by him and a yeah. steep decline in quality. <laughs> and I haven't even mentioned Scrooged, like one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies and oh, yeah. Will Murray movies, you know, modern day retelling of A Christmas Carol. And look, look at that right there. Comedy, Christmas classic, and Scrooge. I know a lot of people that love that movie. Personally, I haven't, I've only seen bits and pieces, unfortunately. I haven't seen all the way through. But yeah, yeah, it it, it really bugs me that, you know, how uh, choosy they are. And I, I know I shouldn't be like this because I'm mainly like when people, I'm, you know, being a big horror fan, like I know when Russ Craven passed, that probably wasn't the biggest thing on IMDb, unfortunately. So I should be used to it. But it, it still makes me mad I'm like, at the end of the day, these people did something there is a legacy that they left behind in your industry so show them some fucking respect when they pass away above all i've always respected in directors anyway the visionaries the guys who had a style the guys who refused to compromise the guys who made the art that they wanted to make wes craven richard donner you know toby hooper these guys were filmmakers who didn't give a shit about hollywood they did what they wanted and i think they're going to be remembered forever because of that and yeah yeah i know i for one am you know always gonna remember richard donner he was one of my favorites yeah no i i'm with you he's very underrated i remember him he's gonna be wrapped in my memories with you know uh like said toby hooper and uh, russ craven like directors that just really should have gotten much more attention yeah. from uh mainstream hollywood i'd probably the most out of them actually probably being toby hooper that guy really got fucked by hollywood but yeah, no, Richard Donner, that is seriously a huge blow to the industry that makes me sad that they don't realize that. Yeah, rest in peace. Thank you for all the films you gave us. Yeah, seriously, thank you for some pretty fond memories I have of films and really enjoying those movies. Damn straight. And that is all that happened last week in film. Uh, so before we get into Black Widow, let's talk a bit about our other film of the night, Fear Street Part 2, 1978. It's summer camp in a horror film. That's never been done before. Uh, I noticed that you also had some uh, some things to say about this one, which made me very happy. So Are you, are you happy this time? Extremely. Known, I still absolutely disagree with you on the first one. I find the first one a strong film. With that said, I did have issues with this one. Um, I still found it to be fun. And I still had a good time for the most part. But this is, a, I love how my sevens always like this. It's not even movie a seven. It's like, oh, I really enjoyed this. But it's like the classic but comes up every time. The, a lot, some of the things that held it back for me was one, I, I know last week the kills were not the most memorable in a fucking horror film but they really outdid themselves with that bed slicer and they didn't hold back on the gore so i did i let it pass but now i'm here on the second week where they're clearly trying to pay homage to like the slashers and the kills to me were even less memorable 
yeah, the blood flowed. There was definitely gore, but there wasn't a lot of really memorable deaths. Like, you know, I'm like, for example, like when the bird slicer came out, right? That was on my social media feeds all the way to pretty much like Friday night when the new movie came out. Like, people were talking about it. I have not seen shit since on this one. Um, the other thing is, uh, and these were the two big things that held it back the story. I was really, I was wondering the whole like, okay, where am I going to learn in the overall story that I didn't learn last week? Apparently, it was absolutely nothing for an hour and 15 minutes. Until the very end, when the most they did was like, well, we found her body. Yeah, when did that happen? Did that happen off screen? <clears throat> I guess. I don't, that really like, really tricked me out because I'm like, so wait, I didn't really need this whole movie because there was nothing storyline wise that you gave me that was new i could have just waited for the finale next week apparently the, um, the body being found off screen reminded me so much of that scene in evolution when they figure out that selenium can take down the aliens and they're like well how do we get that and the two guys are like oh we can get that just like <laughs> this body that's been you know lost for centuries she's like oh we got that oh yeah it's in the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, so that was yeah that was honestly really strange to me i'll, I'll hold i yeah that that was weird i wasn't into that and the other thing is i i know it's not my fucking tv because i watch other movies that take place at night and i can goddamn see what's going on yeah. who the fuck is doing the cinematography in these movies i let it pass the first time but goddamn i couldn't see a fucking thing for 90 percent of this movie because they're like, we really want you to know it's night. No shit movie. I know it's night. I want to fucking see. Yeah. The whole time. Me, I, had not, I had a buddy over. We were both watching it. Because I was like, hey, if you haven't seen the first one, I was going to watch the second one. So he actually watched the first one the day before and came over here. And both of us were like, forward in our chairs, squinting. I'm like, can you see anything? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, good. Because I can't see a fucking thing either. So that, that was the Arabic thing. What uh, what bugged me the most was the... Con so if you're going to use the flashback, it has to make sense. And how did she know what Cindy and Alice went through? How did she know any of that? Because they all died before she could talk to them. So she's like an omnipotent storyteller. To, like It didn't make any sense. You know, you can't flashback scenes that you weren't there for. Yeah, it... I was really mad because, like, I like I said, I know we differed on the first one, but I was and I, I was of the mindset that like it was really like, oh, okay, this might be a really fun thing Netflix is doing, right? Yeah, this little three event series. But what, like, to me, the ball was a little dropped this week. It was like this really felt like the worst type of like second part two trilogy, and that it was a transitionary movie. It's just meant to get us to the, the finale, and then that's it. There's, like, nothing really there to hold on to. And I'm tired. I'm so tired of these fucking caricatures. Every character's always like, oh, there's the spoiled rich bitch. There's the, you know, the nerdy kid who's underappreciated. Oh, the sisters are going through bad shit with mom. Like, no shit. I've seen all of this before. I'm so tired of this. Yeah, like I'll give credit to again, credit to the first one. They tried doing little things to make these characters actually unique for once. Like the cheerleader, 
he was a valedictorian, but also sold trucks. Like they did things like that to be like, okay, they're not your stereotypically stock slasher characters. And I appreciated it because it did finally feel a little, it was like to me a breath of fresh air. Like, okay, finally a little uniqueness in my fucking slasher characters. And then we do this one and they go back and it, I think had they, I feel like there is a way you could have gone back and done these stock characters. If you embrace the concept of being an, essentially like an 80 slasher more, but I felt like they weren't really doing that part. So it just, to me felt like a revert. Well, these films are taking themselves so damn seriously. That's the problem. Like there's no tongue in cheek. It's all, they're acting like this is new ground, but it isn't. And that's really annoying. I mean, in this one, you know, you got rich kids, bitch kids, snitch kids, bewitched kids, no adults. <laughs> like you got surprising. one crazy nurse you got, but that's never. And also the kids were okay with murder. Let's, let's point this out. They were about to murder a kid in like the opening minutes of like the flashback movie and the kids literally get, he gets mad at her for being outside the bounds of the camp. I'm like, they were about to fucking kill her, dude. <laughs> what also, is wrong with you? Is that Sheila? Was it Sheila? The super bitch? Was, her, was that her name? Sheila? I don't remember. She honestly looked like three other characters to me. So every time yeah. they showed a different character, I was like, oh, is that? Oh, wait, no, that's a different character. It was either Sheila or Shelly, whatever. The, 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 the woman who, the girl who burned her with the lighter. Did she just get knocked out in the outhouse and then that was it? I don't know. Again, they fucking don't light this up enough. Half the time I was like, what just happened? What did I just see? The only thing I loved was the soundtrack. I did like this. I yeah, I did just like with the um with the first movie and that they picked a lot of like you know 90 good 90 cents. They did the same thing here, and there's a lot of good 70 stuff. I did like hearing carry on my, my wayward son. Granted, I remember, like, I did make the joke. I was like, hey, what's Sam and Dean? This is their song. Where, where are they at? <laughs> I'm, I, don't, I don't like that I, am, that I am forced to watch these movies because they came out, like, this close to each other. Like, I get the appeal to, like, you know, oh, we get three of these, but they're not great, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> I don't want to do the third movie, but I have to. See, I was down with it. They dove like, let's make this big, cool event horror series based off an old Stein book. And I was like, oh, cool. And again, I liked the like a lot of fellow horror fans. I liked the first movie. I was like, okay, cool. This is a good setup. I, I'm curious on where we go from here. And I do actually remember thinking, like, why are we going back in time? That seems like a weird thing to do with your movie. And but I was like, let me just figured it out and you know there was the promise that we're going to learn something in 1978 that will be the key to helping them in the present day and yet i didn't want a goddamn thing until the last two minutes movie and all i could think was like i did not need an hour and like 50 minute movie that gave me nothing new until the last two minutes did we also need to see them climbing through a mountain of shit was that necessary i mean look i couldn't see a goddamn thing so they could have been Writing Puff the Magic Dragon, I wouldn't know. How is it my TV had better quality than your 4K thing? Like, I, I could see everything. I don't know. I, I, it can't be my TV because I have watched movies at like when they're dark in the movie and I see fine. It's literally just been this fucking trilogy. Did you watch it during the day? I watched it at night. Okay, then I don't know. <laughs> Weird. And I watched the movie right after that had a lot of night scenes. Saw it fine. Psycho Gorman saw the whole the goddamn thing fine. Oh, how was it? 
I liked it. You have fun. Am I gonna hate it? I have a feeling. God damn it. But I might also be surprised. We'll find out. Hey, you thought I hated butterfly effect. So you never know. I am a complicated man. <laughs> I only assume a lot of people hate butterfly effect. Anytime I mentioned they're like, you really like the movie? I'm like, yes, I am an ardent defender of that movie. Well, Fear Street 2 gets a seven from me. I like the soundtrack. And uh well, let's let me look at my review. What else did I like? <laughs> I can't remember. Um Okay, not much more. I think it was really just the soundtrack and a couple characters. I like I remember when I watched the first one, I paused it and thought and realized I was only 50 minutes into it and had 55 more to go. And I remember going like, oh my God. So I didn't do that this time. So I think that's why I'm like, I like this one better. But by just a just a bit. Uh but yeah, no, I, I gave this one a seven also. I like the soundtrack. I'm with you. I think like at least the cast did like a good job. Like the performances were good and there were some interesting characters. I think the two uh, sisters are actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, the, the dance cinematography, I, I don't know if it was my TV or the movie. I'm blaming the movie because I haven't had this issue with other stuff I've watched. Um, and just the not really anything big being revealed for the overall story till the end just kind of hold it back for me yeah and i'm thinking you know these have all been pretty damn predictable like the twist of ziggy actually being c berman like i called that shit from a mile away that was not a secret like it was so obvious well because they did the thing where they didn't ever acknowledge the uh c berman's first name throughout like the present day storyline yeah i was like oh okay, give me a twist here um, I will say, like, next week's looks interesting because of the, how they, it's not just going to be like, let's tell the story. It's like, she's actually stuck in that time. So I ha- I'm having hope that that might be the somehow the most interesting one. Here's hoping. I hope this one doesn't just steal from the witch. Like, the first two have been just grabbing bits and pieces from better horror films. We will see. So that's Fear Street. Uh, I really wish this was a miniseries so I didn't have to keep talking about it. Oh, but we're talking about it. So, Black Widow. The 24th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the first film of Marvel's Phase 4. Prior to the pandemic, this was the project that was going to open the fourth phase. But after it got postponed, that honor went to the Disney Plus series WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. Uh, This film takes place between the events of Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War when Black Widow and the rest of Captain America's allies were either imprisoned or on the run from the government. Uh, So this is a little in-betweener movie. I hope that this starts a new trend. I'd love to see more of these kinds of movies that take place between the events of whatnot. Like, why was Captain America busy when the world was, you know, being destroyed in Thor 2? Like, I'd love to see why, you know what I mean? Yeah. um, Yeah, I will say, I pointed out, like, I think the first paragraph, like, it's almost shocking how long it took for us to get this movie. Yeah. Because she's become, like, a fan favorite character. Like, ever since Tarzan debuted in uh, Iron Man 2, it wasn't just her looks that made us like her. Like, she really knows this character, um, and she does a tremendous job, and yet it took forever to get a fucking solo film. Like, we got a Captain Marvel movie before we got a Black Widow movie. But uh, better late than never, this ended up being really good to me. And I do like the self-contained 
aspect of it just being like this little story that takes place in between uh, Civil War and um, Infinity War. You remember a while back there was that dickhead producer Ike something who uh Nuttermar hmm? or whatever his last name was? Maybe. I don't remember his last name. Something like that, yeah. But he said, like, I think he it was Thor 2 that he didn't want a female director on it. He didn't want a female villain. Like, I'm sure that guy was instrumental in not getting a Black Widow movie early on. Yeah. And I'm glad he's getting proven wrong. Because like I said, like, Johansson's killed it. I mean, she really has been, to me, a highlight of this entire uh, the MCU. I was legitimately sad. At the end of Endgame, when she sacrificed herself, that was a really sad moment. Um, and I'm, I'm glad she finally got her solo movie. And she does, for this being, like, essentially what's going to be her sent-off film, right? This is her last time we're getting her. Um, she does great. I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, we needed all of that character development over the years to make this film really uh, pop. At least that's what I, that's what I'm justifying it as. Yeah. And, and like I said, better late than never. And I probably like, you know, I did actually really like that. This was a self-contained movie. I know we're at a point where we're talking like intergalactic villains and <laughs> multiverse and all this shit. I know it's getting crazy and wild, but to kind of just say, let's, to start out your phase as far as your movies, right, on the self-contained movie, I liked because it really harkens back to the early years of Marvel when it was more like the coolest thing ever was Captain America Winter Soldier and how, like, game-breaking that was for us. You know, like, it was nice to kind of go back to that for a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. It felt nice to have some lower stakes. Like, still high stakes for her, but as far as, you know, the universe we didn't need to bother with that. You know, if every movie is a universe ending disaster, it starts to lose some punch. Exactly. So it's, it's nice to go for the scale down sometimes like in this case. Yeah. Straight up. Black widow was directed by Kate Shortland. She had previously directed the films lore somersault and Berlin syndrome, as well as episodes of the secret life of us and Smilf. So not exactly super accomplished. Uh, Marvel clearly took a chance here, and I thought she did a decent job. Yeah, and I think I read, it was either Marvel or uh, Scarlett Johansson actually handpicked her. Oh. Um, they were very much trying to get a female director, understandably. I 100% understand for this movie why they want, especially what the plot and themes are dealing with. Yeah. I don't yeah. think a male director would have handled it with such uh, nuance. Um. So I think she was handpicked if I read correctly. And I think she did great for this being like what it sounds like her first role, like big budget type of film. She did great. Uh, I mean, there's still the Marvel action. There's so great performances from our characters. And again, this film, I'm sure we'll get into when we talk about the film. Well, it deals with some really heavy shit for a Marvel movie. And she handles it with such nuance that you can it's not off-putting. You can still take it. You know what I mean? You can still enjoy this uh, enjoy this movie. Well, I felt like, you know, leave it to Marvel to finally give me a decent political thriller. I was like, now I, all right, this is, this is good. This is what, you know, this makes sense. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, Oscar nominee Scarlett Johansson stars as Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, a role she has played in nine movies since 2010's Iron Man 2. That's impressive. Uh, she's been the Black Widow for 11 years. God. 
Uh, you know, this was originally offered to Emily Blunt. Yeah, but she doesn't want to do superhero movies. Yeah. Well, now I think originally her, it was actually because she uh, had scheduling conflicts. Oh. I think now she doesn't want to do superhero films. Here, Stephen Dorff came out and said this was garbage and like she should be ashamed of herself and that superhero oh, dude, movies can, are shit. Look, I, I know we've talked about like we like him in his in some of his movies, but he can shut the fuck up. He ain't exactly making millions right now. I'm sure that's why he's pissed, but also, like, you were the bad guy in Blade. Blade. So the fuck yeah. up. Yeah, it's like, you were the bad guy in Blade, and the only other thing I remember you in, Mr. Dorf, was your small sheriff row in Leatherface, and that wasn't even the best Texas Chainsaw Massacre I got, so shut the fuck up. You ain't making millions. She is. You're just mad Marvel ain't knocking at your door to bring you back. Like, apparently, they are talking to Wesley Snipes about a potential cameo in Blade. Well, he's has talked about being talked to at Marvels. Good. So I'm sure two time Academy Award nominee Scarlett Johansson, beloved uh, superhero icon, ain't losing sleep over Stephen Dorff's opinion. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's literally a guy that has not tried. Again, I know I, this guy who hate the Oscars, but he hasn't really been, last I checked, offered any awards. Well, I mean, it doesn't, you know, an Oscar does not mean, you know, it doesn't. I'm just saying, like, you look at his filmography and yeah. whatnot, and you again, yeah, you look at hers, like what she's accomplished outside the MCU, inside the MCU. Like you said, her character has become an icon for young girls all over the world. Like, yeah, she's not losing sleep. She, he's just mad that he's not iconic like her. And Steve, like people loved you in in Blade, so like just enjoy that, embrace it, stop yeah. trying to you know Maybe. put this in everyone's parade. Maybe, Steve, pick good movies again because you seem to disappear after Blade. So, sounds like either you were the problem or you picked terrible movies. I'm, with this outburst, I'm starting to think he was the problem. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what if this is the one that gets us in trouble? Like, he hears this and he's like, oh, really? Now, honestly, I think we can withstand Stephen Dorff. <laughs> Just don't buy his e-cigarettes. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so <laughs> Johansson was nominated for her performances in 2019's Jojo Rabbit and 2019's Marriage Story. She's one of the few actresses to be nominated twice in the same ceremony, which is pretty sweet. Uh, some of her seen, other film. Hmm? I haven't seen Marriage Story, but I've seen Jojo Rabbit, and yeah, she was fucking phenomenal in that movie marriage story is an emotional roller coaster it's the most one of the most powerful divorce films i've ever seen and her and adam driver are fucking fantastic that's what i, I hear they're both really good in that movie yeah straight up that's a good one you should check out netflix original so it's always there oh nice uh some of her other films include the prestige lucy lost in translation ghost in the shell under the skin and ghost world among others she's a very popular actress tippy top of the a-list and uh she's married to that goofy dude from weekend update which i still can't believe <laughs> he's apparently a huge marvel fan and refused to rehearse lines with her <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want any spoilers <laughs> that's awesome you know she's like okay babe i really want to go over like these lines when he's like no 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 uh-uh. i ain't getting spoiled you get away <laughs> he's such a huge marvel fan he married one of them God, what? you know, I I really like I really appreciate when you have a 
yeah, like women like um her or like Emily Blunt, right? And they meet people like obviously I know I'm going about to say John Krasinski and I understand how he looks now, but she met him when he was Jim on the office. So let's just all calm down, people. Um, but it really makes me happy when you see like these really like very beautiful women get with these like very dorky guys. Like, no. The sexiest thing you can be as a man is funny. Yeah, funny. and those guys are probably hilarious. Yeah. Colin Jones is funny as hell. And I guarantee you the way he like made that happen is he made her laugh. I guarantee you. Oh, yeah. Same with fucking John Krasinski. He is hilarious as Jim in the office. Like, I'm not even the hugest office fan, but he makes me laugh. Yeah. I got it. Good for them. They're happy. I think they're expecting a kid, so good for them. Uh, the Which one? Johansson and Jost. Oh, good for them. That explains why she probably also doesn't want to wear the skin tight suit anymore. I heard she was not wanting to do that. What now? That she was kind of getting tired of putting on the skin tight suit, which I understand that. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they're setting up this next actress to take over. Yeah. And we'll get into her and how much I'm actually kind of excited for that. So, yeah. Oscar nominee Florence Pugh plays Yelena Belova, Natasha's sort of sister, and clearly the future MCU Black Widow. <laughs> uh, Pugh is nominated for her performance in 2019's Little Women. It has also appeared in such films as Fighting with My Family, Midsummer, The Commuter, and Outlaw King. She's set to appear in the upcoming Hawkeye series as Yelena. That is confirmed. Yes. Well, then we'll get when we talk about the movie, we can also see how that's going to be set up, which is very exciting. Okay. Um, I really, she, I know, I think you mentioned in yours, I mentioned in my interview, she is a fucking standout in this. Like, I've, I've actually liked her for a while. Um, I liked Fighting with My Family. She's really good in that. Um, while I am on your side and that I'm not the hugest fan of Midsummer, sorry, Austin. Um, she was like, she was really good. And I won't tell you that she did a really give her fantastic performance in that movie. Um, so she has talent. She's very talented and it, it shows here too. Quick aside. Did you happen to check out our recent episode on St. Maud? Uh, no, cause I haven't had a chance to watch St. Maud yet. I recommend you do because we spent most of that episode just ripping elevated horror a new one and we just tore it to shreds and talked about all the movies that is considered elevated horror and how like just that whole concept is bullshit we had a good time with that yeah it makes me wish i had been on that conversation i fucking hate hearing that term <laughs> we brought like, you up new, huh yeah it's oh it's it's a new term for thriller they're like well we got we'll stop using thriller but now we'll just say elevated horror yep <sighs> I should point out Scarlett Johansson was in a horror movie under the skin. I'm sure they'll call it Elevated because she was in it. I honestly thought that was a drama. Is that a horror movie? It's supposed to be a horror film. Yeah. Well, I did not know that. Florence Pugh kind of came out of nowhere with Fighting With My Family and then was in a whole bunch of stuff, got an Oscar nomination, is now you know tied to the MCU. Good for her. Yeah. Like I said, she really like, don't you know, like Scarlett Johansson did a great job on like this being her off movie, but Pugh stole the show. Her character, she was funny. She could kick ass. She was awesome. Really liked her. I couldn't tell, but were her and, like, were Natasha and Yelena actually sisters, or were they just part of the... No, it was literally, so the, it's all fake. It was all okay. planted. All right. But I thought her, so, like, but I thought yeah. that they might have actually been sisters who were planted. No, her, her whole thing was that it was real to her, because she had no family. So gotcha. for her, yes, that, that's my sister. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for clearing that up. 
Um, David Harbour plays Alexei Shostakov, a.k.a. The Red Guardian. Harbour is known mostly for his role as Jim Hopper on the Netflix series Stranger Things. He's also appeared in such films as Hellboy, Suicide Squad, Revolutionary Road, Black Mass, and recently No Sudden Move. Uh, he fucking rocked in this. He was so funny. Such a great, cool character. I hope Red Guardian comes back in the future. He, right to me, right behind P, fucking standout. He was awesome. He always had, he was always like, honestly, had the ability to be really funny. Um, I know you haven't seen Stranger Things, but in the third season, his character gets like obsessed with Magnum P.I. <laughs> so he grows out a fucking mustache and tries to act like Tom Selleck. And it is hysterical because David Harbour just commits to the part. Like it's fucking fantastic. Um, and he, he does it here. Like he is so funny. Funny. It's really weird because when he's introduced, you don't think he's gonna really gonna be that funny. It's kind of like a straight laced when you get the fuck out of here. But then when they show him with the beard and the tattoos, and he's just like this buffoon, and it is so funny. He's lying about <coughs> fighting Captain America in the 80s, and they're all calling him on his shit. And he's like, Oh yeah, just breaks the guy's arm. <laughs> oh dude, I was dying when he's like telling the story about how his father pissed on his hands. <laughs> his father's like, stop, stop. And he's like it helps. It really helps. He... <laughs> I swear there's a reason. He's the fathers. <laughs> he was great. I, yeah, I want to see him actually join the Avengers in the future. Like, I want to see him fight with them and then just yeah. be happy, like, so excited. Oh, when he's trying to put the damn suit on. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear him groaning from the other room. He walks out. He's like, ah, still fits. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he was great. And he really know that they all know that Russian accent really well. Harbor's always been one of those guys who I've seen in the background of stuff and always enjoyed. Never really knew his name. I'm glad he got a massive career boost of Stranger Things. I know yeah. Hellboy kind of set him back a little, but hopefully Black Widow will give him more of a film career. Yeah, same. Cause yeah, I'd like yeah, like there's a re- if you ever get if you finally watch Stranger Things. There's a reason he is a standout character in that show. Yeah. Like he is fantastic. So I can see why he got the boost off it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I hear. So yeah, hopefully I know Hellboy. I don't think he'll get too set back because from what I understand, that was the studio stepping in. Yeah. No Marshall pretty much. I listened to an interview recently with No Marshall and he does not mince too many words about Hellboy. And what he does say is not kind. He, that studio really fucked that movie up. Mm, that sucks because I'm a big Hellboy fan and I was really hoping that was going to be good. I still haven't seen it. I just, I've heard nothing but sh- bad things. I don't really know if I will. I've sat through it. You know what? We got another show being planned that you might just have to sit through it. Ah, oh, the downside of that show. We've been teasing that for so long. I can't wait to finally announce what that's going to be. Uh, We're like George R. R. Martin. Winter is coming. <laughs> The new show is coming. There's personal stuff that's happening that makes it take a bit. The dragons are coming, I promise. But first, just a whole bunch of wiener. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> wiener, wiener, wiener. Oh yeah, unlike George R. R. Martin, the show we're talking about is happening. There's just There is actual personal stuff, nothing serious, that I am having to deal with right now, that once that settles down, I'm good to go. Plus, we, you know, sneak previews our most recent show. We want to let that breathe a little, establish what this is until we 
know, once then we'll start doing new shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Again, have to stress, and I don't know how many fans are worried right now. Nothing serious in my personal life. All good. Just changes that are happening. Totally. Yeah. So keep a lookout for an announcement in the near future. Um, Oscar winner Rachel Weiss plays Melina Vostikov, Natasha and Yelena's sort of mother. Weiss won her Oscar for her role in 2005's The Constant Gardener, was also nominated for 2018's The Favorite. Some of her other films include The Mummy, Constantine, The Lobster, The Fountain, The Lovely Bones, and Oz the Great and Powerful. And I'm very, my mom, uh, I saw this with her, and she said something that made me laugh so much because, and you'll recognize this because you also have the same hangups about The Mummy 3 that I do. And she said, I'm glad Rachel Weiss finally eased up to the idea of having adult kids. Because <laughs> if you know about the mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Rachel Weiss refused to sign on because she didn't think she would have an, a son who's an adult in real life. So she said no. But current Rachel Weiss, I guess, has no problem with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I've always I, I've heard stories that she's might be a little bit of a diva anyway. So I have um, heard. That. I bet her and Daniel Craig are just an uncomfortable pair to serve at a restaurant. Oh God! <laughs> I've heard. I was reading it somewhere that apparently, like, the student met her on like a, a plane or something, and he decided to play it cool and just like talk to her without really acknowledging who she is, thinking she probably doesn't really want to get bothered with that right now. And apparently, she as they were talking. She started out nice, then got more thrown in, and then finally excused herself. And her assistant leaned in and said, oh, she doesn't like it if you don't acknowledge who she is. Oh, my God. And I'm like, that is so ass backwards. Most celebrities I've heard stories of like, actually really like it if you don't acknowledge and you talk to them like a human being. Like, they really like that. What the fuck? That's disturbing. I don't like that. That Yeah, it's like, you really need a pat on the back for your Oscar win? Like, that's that's what you need. It's like Hollywood recognized your talent. Calm down. <laughs> also, I don't think that I've seen the Constant Gardener. She did not deserve that Oscar. No, probably not. I haven't seen it, but I'm going to assume not because I tend to disagree with a lot of their choices. Does she just uh, carry it around with her at all times? Is it her carry-on? Like, does she just pull it out and just hold on to it when people start talking to her? She has it when her and Daniel Craig go on dinner dates. It's like in the middle of the table. She just push like she pushes the flowers off and just puts the fucking Oscar right there. <laughs> what if like Daniel Craig's actually like super fine to work with and a nice guy to people, just not the press? And she's like the exact opposite. So he's like a saint when they're at dinner and they're it's just she's a nightmare to deal with. Like she's being the diva, and then after the meal, he's just like goes to the waiter and is like, I'm so sorry about this, and like gives him like 300 bucks. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I get a vibe. She's yeah. good in this, uh, kind of an underwhelming character. I thought didn't really have much to do. It, it's really like weird. Cause like you have, you know, David Harbour and Florence Pugh that are doing wonders with their characters and Johansson's given it all for her final film. Yeah. And you kind of got her, like she didn't really stand out to me. Like the other three. 
Well, I think, you know, I think it comes down to, to Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow is her character. It's hers. So she's going to give it her all. Florence Pugh, David Harbour, recent, you know, people happy to be here, excited to be a part of this. Rachel Weiss, this this was a paycheck gig. Mm. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Like, she did fine. Like, it wasn't a bad performance. She did fine, you know. Again, very good uh, Russian accent. Uh, but, yeah, like, she didn't really stand out to me but that's really been her career in my opinion like i like her in the mummy one and two um but after that you know like the born legacy you know that when she did with jeremy renner she yeah she's in it since staying out <laughs> jeremy renner was trying really hard in that movie but i don't remember her her performance all that well so like that's kind of been like a consistent thing with me and watching her is i like yeah she's there but she never really stands out to me you know, before um, I went to see this at the Alamo Draft House, very grateful to have that back. And before the movie, uh, if it's a big movie, uh, usually there will be a personalized don't talk during the movie kind of thing. And for Black Widow, there was one and it was, you know, the widows will find you and kill you. And it, was, it was cute. Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour. No Rachel Weisz. Yeah, there was a at the AMC I took you to when we yeah. go see F9. They did their pre-show. They did for weeks. They were doing it in regards to Black Widow, and yeah, it was David Harbor, Florence Pugh, Scarlett Johansson. So it's like clearly those three developed the bond that was necessary, which we'll get again once we talk about the actual movie. Yeah, with the family theme, but not Rachel Weisz. <laughs> it's weird because in the movie they actually were supposed to like kind of like her more than their fucking fake dad, but somehow in real life it looks like they struck a better relationship with David Harbor. And her that's not surprising i just you know it's a shame my favorite one of those was when um i saw black panther and it was uh leticia wright and chadwick boseman and chadwick boseman was just staring the audience down and, he, and she was like he's checking for cell phones and he's always watching so don't and it was just him like glaring and then when the movie was over very briefly at the end he came up again and was like i'm still watching and then <laughs> That was it. It was so it was so smart, and I liked that. It made me laugh. <laughs> Good times. Good times. I like that. Um, and now to what I thought was the weakest part of the movie. Uh, Ray Winstone plays Drakoff, the Russian terrorist who runs the Red Room. Winstone has appeared in such films as The Departed, Sexy Beast, Beowulf, Cold Mountain, Noah, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And why they hired a straight-up Cockney to play a Russian terrorist, I will never understand. This is the most miscast guy in the history of the MCU. It was really weird, because you can tell he's trying to do a Russian accent, too. Like, I know, but fucking Cockney kept slipping through, and I'm like, who is this guy? Where's he supposed to be from? Like, south side of Moscow? Like, what the yeah, hell? It was, it was weird. I, I was wondering, because I was like, this guy's talking weird. Like, and he... I don't know in a weird way it works. It made him like feel really fucking skeevy. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially when he's doing like the getting real close. He's like, I know the eyes of my doctors. And I'm like, oh, dude, back the fuck up. Like, Jesus Christ. But like, this dude's supposed to be like a Russian terrorist in hiding who is running a secret society of brainwashed assassins. This dude's supposed to be fucking terrifying. And he came off as a cartoon character. Well, he came off as just like a slimy dude taking advantage of him, which granted he is, but it's really like that's all they that's all they went in on instead of like 
making a more well-rounded film. But this to me is kind of like the weak point to this film. My one weak point is not just him, but like Taskmaster. Like the villains in this were kind of like lackluster. And I kind of gave him a pass because I'm like, ah, whatever. He's just, I'm used to people like him in the MCU when it comes to their villains. But Taskmaster, Taskmaster, I was less forgiving on because I'm like, that's an iconic fucking villain. And you seriously underutilized him or her in this case. I got to rewatch the first Avengers, but apparently Loki name dropped Drakoff in that movie when he was going through Black Widow's uh, ledger to try to make her squirm. Apparently he name dropped Drakoff. I was reading about that. So they apparently have had this dude in their back pocket since 2012. And this is what we end up with. Huh? I know, but even still like the, the, the foresight on Marvel's part is just fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Finally, Olga Krylenko plays Antonia Drakoff, who is secretly, spoiler alert, the assassin Taskmaster. Krylenko got her big break when she was cast as Bond girl Camille Montes in 2008's Quantum of Solace. Since then, she's appeared in such films as Seven Psychopaths, The Death of Stalin, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, Vampire Academy, and Johnny English Strikes Again. And I did not see this coming. Uh, I was, you know, the whole identity of Taskmaster thing was a big old uh, fan theory thing for a while, a couple years. People thought it was, you know, a Black Widow clone or Florence Pugh or Rachel Weisz. It wasn't David Harbour, because Taskmaster didn't have a gut. But... (laughs) It was, uh, I forgot to mention that. Kudos to David Harbour for like getting a gut for that for that role. But it ended up being Antonia, the little girl that Natasha thought she killed with a bomb, which would have been a big blow to her character as a hero. But yeah, it, it was a really weird use of Taskmaster, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, like I said, though. I, i'm really like this was probably my biggest sticking point with my actually my only sticking point with this movie was taskmaster like especially that first scene when they fight was a very well choreographed scene really set the stage for that they know who this character is Mm -hmm. but then you barely see her throughout the damn movie when you get this like red dust that just immediately turns her back into antonia and she's like is he gone like i was kind of underwhelmed you know Taskmaster in the comics is such a like a well-calculated badass with admittedly a weak real name. His real name's Tony Masters. Like, wow, real creative there. But <laughs> and uh I like that he's you know primarily a Deadpool villain because Deadpool is unpredictable and he can't he can't read Deadpool. Yeah, it almost like they should have just saved that for the very much like the confirmed Deadpool three that they're doing probably would have better utilized it there. Yeah. Hey, you know, I might get some good jokes out of it now in Deadpool three. Uh, yeah. It, like I said, like it was, it, it's really like, it's just weird. Cause like I said, the fight scenes with Taskmaster are cool. Like they clearly nailed who the character was in those scenes, mm-hmm. but it's just so severely underutilized it. And I understand why they did what they did with the character. I don't mind the gender swap. I don't mind all that shit. It just felt weird. And I think it did have to do with the fact that, like, yeah, this could have potentially been a murdered person of Black Widow. Yeah. I think, you know, I I, I know that the uh, the MCU, we saw this in Falcon Winter Soldier. They're, they're starting to set up at least a similar team to the Thunderbolts with, you know, John Walker and whoever comes up. But I hope we see Taskmaster on that team. 
that would be sweet. Get a little bit more character development on this person. Now that Antonia has broken free, maybe she, you know, is reluctant to be a super skilled assassin. I don't know. If they do that, I'll be down. Like, that, I'm not going to... It. Hopefully, because I know Marvel has done that, well, sometimes, like, they kind of fuck up with a villain early, and they find a way to redeem it later. They're kind of doing that with um, the Mandarin. There we go. Yeah. They're about to redeem that. Hopefully, big time with Shang-Chi. So, and I'm a little sure. bit with Abomination, if you know people didn't like that. We're getting a little bit more of that, too. A little bit, yeah. So, hopefully, main downline, like you said, they've because they didn't kill her off, they kept her. So there's a way they might be ready to bring her back and redeem it and make it worth it. But just looking at this movie, yeah, it was to me the most disappointing aspect. Yeah, bummer. This, yeah, Marvel has always kind of had a villain problem. They've only got a handful of really memorable ones, and a lot of them are one-offs. And Taskmaster has potential to be more than a one-off. Drakoff was a straight-up one-off. That guy was embarrassing. But Taskmaster has potential, so hopefully they don't just throw her away. Yeah, it yeah. It it's really I don't understand that. That's one thing I never understood with the MCU. It's like they have a lot of great villains in the comics that for some reason they never translate well to movies. I don't understand how they do that every time, like especially like when they finally get a good villain for a movie, then they kill them off. I'm like, stop fucking killing them off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Don't Killmonger was awesome. Why did you kill him off? Fuck. <laughs> He he might come back in the future as some kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Just in comic book land, nobody's ever really dead. There's always a way to bring them back. I know. I'm just saying, like, look at the benefits you get by just not instantly killing off Thanos. There was a really good arc with that character, and I liked it. Yeah. And I'm fine if he never comes back. Like, just He'll be take back. lessons. He'll be back. I hope that he, like there's a threat so powerful like Galactus or somebody that they like Thanos is like the only one who knows how to kill him or something. So they bring him back to like, and he helps them fight Galactus. Cause in the comics, Thanos has helped the Avengers with bigger threats that has happened. Yeah. So who knows? I am. I am curious. Well, I'm just curious in general, like who is overarching like villain for this phase for however long they want to use this villain. Right. Um, Cause we had Thanos. They obviously are probably going to want to go bigger than that. I'm assuming they're doing multiverse stuff. So, like, I wonder who the over- I am. I've been. I'm curious on who the overarching villain's going to be. Oh, they've already said. It's they have? yeah. It's Kang the Conqueror. Was that when I was on the deployment and I didn't get any fucking news? Probably. He's the villain in Ant Man Three. Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country is going to play him. Okay. Yeah, I think I was on uh, the the deployment. All right, yeah. Fans, forgive me. Low month deployment. There was news I was given to the ward that I was not privy to. Well, I'm excited because he's basically a time traveling, you know, Thanos. He's a time traveling conqueror who wants to conquer every reality. And with Loki, we've int- we've been introduced to multiversal versions of the care of characters, and Kang has multiple versions of himself throughout history. Immortus, Ramatut. So they'll be able to play with all of that and have you know maybe a different version of Kang be the villains in multiple movies. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, and then we meet Kang finally in Ant-Man 3. Oh, okay. Maybe. So I wonder if maybe uh, with Loki, I wonder if maybe we meet one of the versions in the finale of Loki. Maybe. Maybe this Loki is, you know, 
maybe it is a Loki, but it's also a Kang or something. Maybe what if Kang is a Loki? That maybe because again, and now I know we were talking about before we recorded. Admittedly, they have been kind of overselling their shows, but Feige has been constantly saying how the end of Loki is supposed to be a game changer for them to you and open like open it wide. So like, if he's to be held to his word. It could possibly be a reveal of a version of Kang. Well, in the comics, I don't know if they'll go th- with this, but Kang's real name is Nathaniel Richards, and he's Reed Richards, like great, 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 great grandson from like the 22nd century or something. So and we are getting a Fantastic Four in Phase Four. It's supposed to be the final film in Phase Four. Exactly. So I don't know if they'll tie that in. Maybe we'll see. I'm sure I would just assume that they're going to lay the groundwork for Fantastic Four. Obviously, they're taking their time. They understand that fans are quite burnt on that movie series. They're taking their time, but I won't be surprised if the you know the groundwork gets laid yeah. early because they have done that. I mean, look at when I mean going back to when it all started, right? When Iron Man one and they first name dropped Avengers, what four years, four or five years before that fucking movie came out? Yeah. So just saying. With Marvel, the name of the game is anticipation. Building up to the big one. That's why everyone went ape shit over Infinity War. Yeah, and then fucking got so rewarded with Endgame. Perfect. Perfection. Oh. <laughs> one more actor to talk about. Oscar winner William Hurt returns as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Or I guess Secretary Thunderbolt Ross. Making this fifth turn as the villainous general since 2008's The Incredible Hulk. Uh, the only character to pop out of that movie apart from Abomination now. Like, totally in love with Betty Ross. Never mentioned her again. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It, you know, I'm, I'm happy that they're finally acknowledging The Incredible Hulk. I know. I was like, because I first, I know a lot, for some reason there was like a lot of weird hatred towards that movie. And I like Incredible Hulk. It's a fun fucking Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to see uh, a lot of the actors, at least two of the actors, breaking out of that movie and coming up in other MCU projects. Hurt obviously being the big one. And yeah, Abomination. I really liked Tim Roth as Abomination. So I'm glad to kind of see at least Abomination come back. I don't know. I, I can't remember if Tim Roth's actually doing the voice. Uh, I don't know if he is in Shang-Chi, but he is definitely coming back in the She-Hulk show. Okay, so he, he himself is coming back. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see those two at least continuing. Uh, William Hurt won his Oscar for his performance in 1985's Kiss of the Spider Woman. He was also nominated for his roles in 1986's Children of a Lesser God, 1987's Broadcast News, and 2005's A History of Violence. Some of his other films include Lost in Space, Altered States, Mr. Brooks, Into the Wild, The Village, and Dark City. And William Hurt has always been kind of a, you know, a guy I've always liked, but a guy I've never really explored. Like, I've always liked him when he popped up in films that I saw, but I never, like, went, like, I've never seen any of his Oscar-nominated work apart from History of Violence. And even then, I, when I saw that, I didn't know he was in it. <laughs> so, he's a guy I need to kind of sit down and just zoom through his work. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I recognize the name every time I see it. But I don't like, oh, hey, Lone Heart movie, you know, like, I recognize his name. I like him and what I've seen. So I, I should probably get myself more familiar because um, honestly, the most I recognize him in is MCU movies. 
for me as a kid it was lost in space i, I really liked that movie when i was a kid i saw it once <coughs> i saw it once when i was a kid and then never watched it since then because i hate it i just have not watched it's, it since then it's a terrible movie it's it's a clear star trek ripoff but i enjoy it because i liked it as a kid it's one of those movies that i can't say is bad because i liked it then and i because of that i like it now but you've got like matt leblanc as their pilot because he was trying to have a post friends film career that never worked out you've got heather graham uh honestly none of the guys in friends had a really good post friends career the females did fine <laughs> yeah none of the guys really did did they <laughs> yeah that's I was like, if you really look at like none of the guys we had a great crew, but like Jennifer Aniston, obviously, um, Courtney Cox. I mean, between Scream and other fucking hit TV shows like Cougar Town, she did good. And uh, Lisa Cutter has been a freaking like she's been a comedy mainstay for decades. Uh, but yeah, Matt LeBlanc is is pretty goofy in that he's supposed to be like this badass war veteran who's like driving a family through space, and it's weird. Gary Oldman plays the bad guy. Dr. Smith is this like saboteur who ends up trapped on their ship. And then there's a robot and then they go to the future and there's a spider Smith and it's, it's fucking awful, but it's, it's, it's a guilty pleasure movie for me. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those films that never spawned a franchise, but they tried. Well, kind of. Cause the only reason I even actually remembered that movie is because Netflix did a TV show on it that I actually heard was really good. I just never watched it. But that is a remake of the TV show that the Lost in Space movie was a remake of. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was a 60s kind of Star Trek ripoff show about a family lost in space. Mm. Okay. I'll say, yeah, I've heard good things about the TV show. I haven't heard shit about the movie since it's, I watched it that one time. <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray. It's a fun movie. <laughs> if you can get past the fact that it's really bad, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um black widow has an imdb score of 7.0 rotten Tomatoes score of 80 percent so far it's grossed a higher weekend box office than anything since the pandemic began with a total of 158 million so far it's got a budget of 200 million so it's still got to get over that hump but it's gonna yeah it's probably only, i mean I'm, yeah i i used to be like you know like oh shit it's so but but in current times with the you know as we're kind of winding down this pandemic uh, fact of is we just got you gotta look beyond the first weekend now um as of now yeah first weekend that's awesome uh but it's just gonna take another couple of weekends for it to go over and honestly based off what i've been hearing about certain big releases coming out next weekend um i don't think it's going to have a second i don't think it's gonna have any issues in the second week of release uh it's already kicked f9's ass i don't think it has a i don't think it has any issue taking out lebron yeah i don't think space jam 2 is gonna be too much competition so um i'm yeah i'm sure it'll do great like all the mcu films have done um like i said when i saw it um it seemed like my fucking theater was just not saying just said fuck it to guidelines because i had people sitting next to me and i went alone so you know by the guidelines i should have had two seats next to me empty but not the case so it was packed like people were fucking i don't think i've seen that since i've been back i haven't seen the theater that uh i go to when i the one I took it to that was like as full of people as it was for this movie. Like it was a, I had to get there early. Cause it was, yeah, it was filling up. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. My local theaters, uh, I'm pretty sure they're getting rid of restrictions because when I went and saw the Hitman's wife's bodyguard, I had an old ass couple sitting right next to me, despite it being an empty theater. 
I hate when that happens. It's like empty and they pick you and I'm like, yeah, there's two empty seats next to them. And I'm like at the end of the row and I got there like 20 minutes before them. So I'm not moving. And also their phone went off in the middle of the movie. She dug through her purse trying to find it. She talked to her husband the whole time. I was so pissed. I don't under like, it's almost like they don't want to not sit alone. I'm like, go sit by yourself. I know. I don't like people that much. So like I will actively try to sit alone anywhere I go. You ever notice, at least in my experience, it's never people our age. It's always old ass people who've had the movies since the beginning and they still don't fucking get it. Yeah. It's either the really old people or like that other guy that goes alone, but he does not want to admit he's alone. So he's like, oh, someone else went alone. I'll pick a seat right next to them. Oh my no, jackass, get away from me. I would start coughing on him. In fact, I should have done that to the old people. It should have been like, it's so brave of you to sit next to a COVID patient. <gasps> and just start like dry heaving on them. <laughs> I don't have COVID, by the way. Never did. Tis a joke. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Let's talk about some Black Widow highlights. Black Widow highlights. Uh, for me, a lot of the act- I mentioned in my review, the action scenes in this movie... I, I didn't realize how much I missed some of the really good Marvel action scenes. So I was sitting there, I was like, I missed these. For a self-contained movie, the action scenes are fucking stellar. Like I said, that first Taskmaster one, holy shit. It's always exciting to me. It always kind of makes me laugh that in the same series, we have, you know, Russian assassins and brainwashing. And then we have intergalactic, like, universe-controlling tyrants. Like, it's all in the same world. It's just crazy to me to think about that sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, Thanos yeah. and Drakoff could have maybe, you know, met at one point if one writer decided to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's just the movie. Isn't there's the shit the shows have been introducing? You're like, holy God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, was a, I was very impressed with the opening title sequence. Um, this is the first, I think, Marvel project with an opening title sequence. And it, yeah, you're talking about like, yeah, and it was dark. It oh. was a dark fucking. Even I was saying, I was sitting there going, this is dark for Marvel. And like, the, I am not, I have not been a big fan of this slowing down popular rock songs <laughs> in like trailers and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm getting annoyed with it already. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It worked really well here. Like, I, I think it's just because of the song they picked. That if you do slow that song down, yeah, it's kind of a creepy song. Yeah, smells like Teen Spirit. I don't know who covered it, but it's the opening sequence song, and it's playing while young Natasha is indoctrinated into the Red Room, becomes the Black Widow, and it is so creepy and terrifying and sad, knowing who she is and what she had to overcome to be considered a hero. Just in that moment, is it's so unforgiving, and then you also realize Yelena went through the same thing, but so much younger. Yeah. That's just fucking horrifying yeah it does a it does a good job of setting the stage and making me really fucking hate the villain yeah because it really gets in that mode of like this is a horrendous human being they were taking young girls across the board and you know in case people who forgot removing their ovaries and all their lady parts so they cannot have kids at a young age and doing all this fucked up shit to them so they can be controlled and go do, you know, assassinate on uh, 
on a bid, essentially being told to go assassinate people. Yeah. And no, they're mind controlled. It's fucked up. Yeah, it, it really does. Yeah, that open time. It's I don't think Carl Marvel ever doing that, and it works here. It's a fucking it hits. It really does hit and really sets the stage for the movie we're about to get. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, <coughs> I really like the prison break sequence where they get Red Guardian out of the out of the gulag, <laughs> and like he couldn't just break out of there anytime he wanted to. Now, that's what's funny is that it's just, it's established he could have just gotten out of there. Yeah, he's he just, there because he wants to be. Yeah, he just chose to. Um, <laughs> that was a really yeah, I really enjoyed that sequence from like the jokes that were being made when she's like, "All right, don't make a scene." And he's like, "You made a scene," because <laughs> he's just throwing everyone around like a jackass. <laughs> I love that he had a fucking action figure. Like in Russia, he he really is a celebrity. Yeah, Red Guardian. He's the Russian Captain America. <laughs> <coughs> he is, yeah, yeah. David Harbour does a really good job, be, you know, hiding behind like the the humor to hide someone that's really just trying to live out their glory days mm. yeah. and cannot accept that it's over yeah. and it was taken from him. So he does really good. I love every time he kept trying to have a heart to heart, the person would be like gone or he wouldn't. They would be able to hear him. <laughs> it kept happening. <laughs> You don't have an earpiece. She can't hear you. I mean, he's just like, I just want to say, I know it wasn't real, but I still, and then he turns around and Rachel Weiss is gone. And he's just like, damn it. <laughs> and just then goes to fight Taskmaster. <laughs> he was clever. I like that. <laughs> Did like in the prison escape scene. Again, Fluence Pug also was really killing it in that scene in the helicopter with the whole avalanche was- Oh, that's kind of a cool way to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her little jabs were funny. I like when she just like rocket launched the guy in the tower and was just like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she kept making fun of Scarlett Johansson's superhero pose. <laughs> that was the joke that just kept on giving throughout the movie. From when she first was like trying to reenact it, she's like, why do you do like that? Like, I'm ah, just trying to do it. And then when Scarlett Johansson does, she goes, see, stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a tongue-in-cheek film, kind of poked fun at some of the stupider things of the MCU, kind of the, the weirder parts. Like when she pointed out, you know, uh, when uh, Florence Pugh said, like, when you've got, like, alien gods on the team, you don't, he's not taking a, an ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh like yeah it's a good point when you've got gods and super soldiers and like what is she really accomplishing with the Avengers <laughs> good point yeah <laughs> yeah she made <coughs> she made a lot of really funny points at the same time she also like I said she was she killed it on the emotional side like when they're having the dinner scene and Scarlett Johansson's like ripping into them and you see her breaking yeah. and start to cry. And she's like, it was real to me. Yeah. Like it really puts you in respect of that. Yeah, you're absolutely, yeah, Johansson, like you're right. This isn't an actual family, but she was a kid. And for her, that was her family. You were her sister. Sad. That's sad. I'm excited to see her take the mantle of Black Widow because that's clearly where this is going. And I think it's a she's a great choice. 
Yeah, like I said, I can't speak highly enough of her. Like she absolutely damn near stole the show from Johansson. Yeah. Like she really swooped in there. She was good. Although my favorite moment of the movie goes to Scarlett Johansson, and it's when she's confronting Drakov and can't hurt him and realizes that it's pheromones, and she just straight up smashes her nose against the table and punches him. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck! <laughs> that was hardcore. What are you doing? Severing the nerve. Oh! <laughs> Shit! Like, fuck! <laughs> I did also during the the uh, the prison escape. I forgot about this when we're talking about funny scenes. I was dying when they're explaining to Alexi what the fuck happens to them. They're like, "Oh, it's really fun. They just get right in there and they pull out your uterus and your ovaries. I mean, they just get just <laughs> they just get right up and he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You don't have to. I get it. I get it." <laughs> uh, way to kind of soften the blow of that. I mean. It was revealed in Age of Ultron when Natasha told Banner, like, I can't have kids. They took it away from me. But for those of them, you know, the audiences who may not have, you know, remembered that, that was a, a, a good way to kind of remind us without really bumming us out. Yeah. Yeah, again, you know, credit to Pew, she really sold it on that part when she was like, like with their hand moments, and the, they just really got in there. They really get up in there. Jesus. I wasn't expecting all of them to survive. I was expecting like David Harbor to pull a sacrifice move or something. Like I thought, I thought Taskmaster was only going to get his ass kicked. Yeah, <laughs> I I did like when he thought he was going to die in the cell. <laughs> his big heart to heart, and then it opens. And he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I I thought Olga Kurlenko in the brief bit where we did see Taskmaster unmasked was unnerving. Just like the way she had this blank, like broken stare, but also like a considerable amount of rage in in her eyes. Like that was a very subtle like I like that. Yeah. And did you catch it when Johansson made her comment, you know, I thought, you know, I killed you. You see a break. For a quick second, you see a break in whatever in her control. And it's actually her finally. But it's for a second. And I, I caught I was like, oh shit, she she's still there. There's still very much the actual person there because she responded to that in a second. Oh yeah. Um, let's touch on the post-credit scene. Uh takes place right after endgame. Elena visiting her sister's grave. I love all the Black Widow cert like fan plaques and everything. Like she had a big family in a way. It really made up for the fact that, you know, admittedly Endgame got called out for like not having her included in the funeral. They did make up for it here. Cause I know that was like a big complaint from people. They're like, why was she not in the funeral? Like, so. Wait, who, you mean Elena? Not Elena, uh, Natasha, Johansson's character. There wasn't like a big funeral scene for her. Oh, okay. Yeah. People, People were pointing that out. They're like, you know, Downey Jr., you know, obviously got his at the end of the movie, but uh, trans didn't get anything. And this, at least to me, made up for it. It showed, like, right, no, she was loved. And, you know, you see all the stuff. Yeah, you see all the stuff there. And it is nice. Well, I mean, to be fair, every other character who died in this franchise never got a funeral either. <laughs> That's fair. I think, I think, if anything, that just speaks to, again, you know, when I mentioned it took so long to get this movie, like how much of a fan favorite she's become, that it's like people just did not let that 
slide. So. Vision, Quicksilver, <laughs> yeah, Loki the first time, Odin. Vision came back. Vision kind of came back. I, yeah, it's really weird how that is now. At the time. And technically, you can argue that they made up for Vision and Wanda Vision because the whole point of that was the grief that she was facing, and that's how they tackled it was in that show. The only one who really got a proper one was Yondu. And that is still, to me, like, I cry every time. I, I can't help it. He may be your, what was it? He may be your daddy boy, but he ain't your father. Revert, strike that, reverse it. Reverse it. I was like, how? I was like, yeah, he may be your father, but he ain't your daddy boy. Yep. Poppins, uh, y'all. For me, it's the scene during the funeral when all the Ravagers show up and Craglin's like, yes. And he like breaks. And Yondu's like recognized. That's the part that gets me <laughs> every time. Oh, good shit. Good. God, that's just a quick sidetrack. That's really impressive. You watch Guys actually one and two back to back. The turnaround from like not really liking Yondu, him coming portrays like this terrible fucking father. <laughs> to no, he actually really cared about Peter Crow. He loved him as a son, and he actually really goes out of his way to help. And then he has like this fucking death that resonated with every goddamn person who saw that movie because <laughs> even i remember being in theater like there was not a damn fucking try eye in ruin that theater with him dude it's james gunn that man is a fantastic filmmaker his like pairing that with cat stevens father and son are you kidding me how do you not sob <laughs> oh good shit anyway uh yelena at the at the tombstone and who should show up but uh, Allegra de Fontaine, whatever Valentina. I'm just going to call her what Yelena called her. All right, Valentina. Valentina. Yeah, she's got like six names. It's impossible. Uh, yeah. Feige said the only shakeup in the MCU re- regards the pandemic was this character was supposed to show up the first time here and then pop up again in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but because of the pandemic, that got swapped. She popped up in Falcon first, and here now it's a now it's a callback. So she is building some sort of team and John Walker and Yelena are part of it. Yes. And that, and we currently don't know what side I'm not as familiar with the Thunderbolts or whatever team she's making. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know what side she's at now. It doesn't sound like it's too good because you see at the end, the person that she's saying killed Natasha is none other than Hawkeye. We've yeah. seen the movie. It wasn't Hawkeye. He actually tried to sacrifice himself. Yeah. I want, and I'm sure he'll be able to convince Yelena of that. Yeah. They'll be fine. I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I, you know, actually, for a second when I was watching this, I forgot that I had looked up the cast list for Hawkeye and that she was in that already, like, confirmed to be in the show. So I didn't even think about it. Then they got to her. I was like, oh, that's how she's going to be in it. I was like, she's going to be maybe not the overarching enemy, but probably the first guy coming after them before they have to turn her around and realize like no i wasn't i did not kill your your sister she was my friend because the mcs are such they were very good friends well yeah they loved each other that's how they were able to get the soul stone mm-hmm. how long do you think the hawkeye show is going to milk that because i i don't want it to be the whole damn show probably the whole damn show oh god damn it i had a minimum was it let's say it's a six episode series that seems to be the standard roughly minus one division Minimum, first three episodes. Maximum, the entire show. God damn it. Well, we'll see. 
the Thunderbolts are essentially Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. They're villains who are recruited by the government, specifically Thunderbolt Ross, to carry out Black Ops missions. Okay, so you can argue that Valentina is being set up as like the MCU's Waller. Yeah, kind of. And I bet okay. Ross is behind this because with yeah. the, the Sokovia Accords are fucking dead now because of Thanos and all that. Yeah, those are dead. And like I said, there's there's definitely a reason they brought him back. It wasn't just to be like, hey, look, Incredible Hulk is canon. Yeah. They brought him back for a reason, and that could be it. Ross has always been a slimy, sadistic, power-hungry opportunist. He became a Hulk himself. I don't know if you knew about that. Wasn't he Red Hulk or some shit like that? Yeah, Red Hulk. So I'm hoping they, like, I'd love to see that. Yeah, that would be cool. So, yeah, okay. Then maybe if she's doing this Hawkeye thing, then, yeah, it's they're going to go more in the angle of currently, like, how they do a suicide squad. Like, yeah, the members aren't necessarily terrible people, but their mission is being carried out, right? Being in chart and led by terrible people well who the thing with marvel though they keep killing their villains so who who's still alive to be in this in the thunderbolts like abomination taskmaster maybe justin hammer uh obviously john walker uh uh, you see what happens when you kill your villains marvel stop doing that (laughs) stop fucking killing your villains especially the ones we like be cool Ah. if there was like a backup of ultron somewhere that would be what if we uh, find a way to bring uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's R- Wilson Fisk? Oh, I would love that. But he would never join something like this. He's- I know, but I really liked him as Wilson Fisk. He was he was awesome. He was awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. They'll, they'll figure something out. They got enough characters. There'll be some newcomers. They'll, something. And we might be totally off. They might not be playing Thunderbolts at all. It could be the Dark Avengers. Who knows? I don't know, because technically... They haven't even confirmed what the next Avengers will be. You know what I mean? Like, well, we'll just wait and see what the new lineup will be and if it will be so-called Avengers or if they go on the route of new Avengers or young Avengers, whatever the fucking route they want to do. Well, the Dark Avengers would make sense with John Walker because it's what who's on the Dark Avengers are the, like, evil reflections of the Avengers. So, like, they've got, you know, John Walker would make sense for Captain America. They had Venom instead of Spider-Man. And instead of Iron Man, it was Norman Osborn who led the team so and they've already introduced the iron patriot situation so they could go in that direction i don't know i just i, I trust them to entertain we'll find out yeah <laughs> i'm sure the plan will get more revealed as the phase goes along yeah. so <laughs> and our next film is uh shang chi yes which looks really good it's i i'm really excited for that one we get Shang-Chi in September, Eternals in November, and Spider-Man in December. Eternals is the only one I'm, I don't know how I feel about. Me too, but I trust Marvel. Their, their track yeah. record's been impeccable, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and go in blind. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I wonder if that's going to be one that really introduces some big stuff in the movie, on the movie side. Yeah. Because there is the question of, like, if, the, if these characters are who they are, why weren't they ever helping... <laughs> I'm sure that'll come up. I have a feeling Thanos is going to be involved in that one in some capacity, maybe a flashback or something. I heard rumors. Okay. Like Josh Brolin may have been spotted on set or something. There was something I read about the connection between Thanos and the Eternals. I don't remember what it was, but uh, we'll see. We will find out this year. I give Black Widow an eight. It's a solid flick, and it felt great to see a Marvel movie again. 
yeah, uh, same. I gave it an eight. It there was a there was a smile on my face when I heard the song and I saw the Marvel logo pop up. There was a big smile that we were back. It felt like the world was right again. <laughs> um, great self-contained story to start off this movie side of the face. Yeah. Um, I like I said, my only sticking point was Taskmaster and the villain side was a felt like a retread of like how they were in the very beginning with their villains before they slowly started to improve. So that was kind of a bummer. But besides that, really fun, great movie. You know, you know, great send off for Scarlett Johansson's take on Black Widow. Um, super glad that we got what we got with her in this phase. And I can't wait to see what Florence Pugh brings to the character now. It's great to see the MCU opening logo before, you know, Loki and WandaVision and all that, but there's something extra super special about seeing it on the big screen that just makes you feel all warm inside. So 24 Mm. films, you know, and I've seen all 24 of them at the movies and I am going to continue to do that. Oh yeah. It's, these are event films to go see for me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Next week, the show must go on, even if next week's biggest release is Space Jam, A New Legacy, which comes out in theaters and HBO Max this weekend. (sighs) It was going to happen, and now it's happening. Uh, Thankfully, we also get Escape Room Tournament of Champions in theaters, Fear Street Part 3, 1666 on Netflix, Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix, and Nicolas Cage's pig in theaters. So this weekend won't be a total loss. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The cage. (laughs) Cage is coming. If you would have told me that Sneak Preview is the first podcast of ours that would talk Nicolas Cage in like a proper fashion, I never would have believed it. I would have thought it would be Filmgasm. But here we are. Pig wins. (laughs) Pig, Pig did it. Uh, don't, don't take Cage's pig. No. Tune in next Monday for an in-depth look on all of these films with pig being our likely primary focus. I can tell you one thing, it fucking won't be Space Jam. <laughs> Since we've got options, not a chance in hell. <laughs> uh, also, check out Tremors on this Wednesday's Filmgasm and The Truman Show on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies. <laughs>